the greatest love story ever told. Romeo. Sweet Juliet. Was missing a chapter. Mine. Now streaming. Meet Romeo's ex, Rosalind. So you're going to break them up? Of course I am. The love story you know. Romeo and Juliet. Doesn't even sound right. The ex you don't. We just need to stop a wedding. My boyfriend is about to make the biggest mistake of his life. It's your boyfriend's wedding. Ouch. Blow me. Caitlin Deaver is Rosalind. Rated PG-13. Now streaming only on Hulu. This is turning into just a wonderful night for me. Yeah. Look at that. Look at that. And, uh... Let's see here. Um, let's see. What can we say here? Marty Burback, good to have you back. Super Chat is open. It's a wonderful way to support what we do or help support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. What also helps is if you give us a thumbs up, thumbs down, or and or hit subscribe, ring the bell. We are here seven days a week. I dig your dog. And uh, after the show, leave a comment. It all helps with our algorithms in building our channel as we are encroaching 20,000 subscribers. Yeah, we're only about 900 or 800 and change away. That's uh, that's pretty cool, man. It's very, very cool. The Unknown, how you doing? Good to have you back. And uh, we got about 30 seconds here. Hi, Bill WD40, hanging out on the Spreaker chat, lubing us up for tonight. And uh, let's see, who else do we have here? I think we're caught up people-wise. But yeah, Super Chat is open. And don't forget, you can get all your Spaced Out Radio swag by going to our website, spacedoutradio.com. We've got a lot of cool stuff there. Go check it on out, and uh, let's have some fun. Horns up. From the mountains of central British Columbia, to you listening around the world, this, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, at KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at spaced out radio, Instagram at spaced out radio show, and on TikTok at spaced out radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. Oh, we got a great show for you tonight. Samantha Mowat is here to talk about ETs, ET contact, alien abductions. What do we do? Why are they coming? What do they want from us? Maybe it's just all in fun in a big game, but maybe it's reality. We'll find out here momentarily. Then in hour number three, we got the Swamp Dweller kicking it off with another spooky story. Terry Hall will fill in for Tim Senor on the UFO report. Shirky Poo has the news. Now, every time we bring Samantha Mowat on, you know, it leaves our audience in just awe and wonder. Why? 
because this young lady has for her entire life had ET contact. Now, for many of you listening for the first time, you may think about it as, wait, really? How could she have it for her entire life? Well, when you hear her story, which she'll get into a little bit, it is it is absolutely profound. She comes from a military family. She comes from a background of psychic intuition. She comes from a background of being highly intuitive in being able to tell people what is going on within their world and the worlds that are above us. Where the ETs come from? Everywhere. And we're going to learn about it and what they want from us with Samantha Mowat tonight. Her website, samanthamowat.ca. Samantha, it's always a pleasure to have you on Spaced Out Radio. How are you, my friend? Hi, Dave. I'm good. Like you, I'm definitely grateful to have had some coffee that one will wake enough to do this today. Well, you know, for the for many of the Americans and the rest of the world listening to, to us tonight, the one thing yeah. that I will say is they don't understand how we got to get up for hockey in the morning. You know, Saturday mornings are the worst when it comes to hockey season. Yeah. They really are. But that's okay. That's okay. You got to get up early. I, I have to get up early for work and then make a two-hour drive for a, a hockey game tomorrow night. But that's okay. It's worth it. It is totally yeah. worth it. It is totally worth it. And you have to know Samantha personally to understand this little pixie of a psychic lady who is all about peace, love, light, and aliens, okay, and non-confrontation, you know, non-violence, and then you learn out of the blue that she's put her children in hockey. It is the it is one of the greatest ironies that I have ever had in my life, and I love it. It's messed me right up, you know, because you're the one person in this world that I never expected to be a hockey bomb. In all due fairness, I was a karate mom, a dance mom, and everything else. So they wanted to try hockey, so we're doing hockey. I think it's great. I think it's great. I just never knew I could have a hockey conversation with you. So, I mean, that's just awesome. Awesome. We always have new listeners, uh, Samantha, as you know. Uh, give a little bit of a brief rundown of what it's like from infancy to, you know, your age now. What it's like living yeah. with ET Contact. Well, growing up with ET contact, I had a very lucky position compared to a lot of people who go through contact from infancy all the way through life to middle age, which I'm now approaching. So the reason why I kind of lucked out is both of my parents were willing to talk to me about these things. We would um, watch shows, whether it was like The X-Files or um, really Mysteries of the Unknown, and they would talk to you about how these weren't necessarily just, you know, mysteries. These are real things that people had experienced, and when there were situations that they could relate to or things that they had seen or experienced, they would kind of share that with me. So for me, it was more normal to be able to recognize that I was having contact. You know, it was kind of hard for my parents when I was little because I would do things like sleepwalk and wake up outside, wake up at funny places in my house. It's odd when you're a very small child and, you know, you're having these situations happen where the ETs are opening up your ceiling and you're floating up through the ceiling or you're going through a wall and seeing a gray on the other side. There's a lot of challenging aspects that do go along with these things because you learn at a very young age that not everybody has them. And if you try to talk to your friends about them, that you could be isolated or shunned or made fun of. So I was grateful to have my family that I could talk to about this. So I didn't necessarily shut down the same way that a lot of people who go through this do. 
Now, with having the ETs influencing me from a young age, and I say influence because, in essence, they did shape a lot of my personality and help me to kind of live between two worlds, Dave. As you know, I've discussed in previous um, episodes that we've done, I have gone through school on craft from a very young age, and what that looks like is you'll have physical or astral abductions going on to craft with extraterrestrials and multidimensionals, and they will teach you things that they find to be relevant to you based upon your life's mission and based upon your skill set. In my case, that would be the understanding and manipulation of energy, the ability to tap in psychically the past, present, future, read energetic fields, and to manipulate energy as well. Different people have different things that they have with these ET contacts scenarios. Some people are taught things like math and physics, others about anatomy and the body. In my case, it's more focused on energy and psychic abilities. How have you enjoyed having this life? I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> it's different than what normal would be for a lot of people. I, I don't mean that as an insultive question but i mean it's obviously made you who you are you know and you wouldn't be anybody else you know but i'm curious what what a samantha moat would be like without the et contact probably an obstetrician and gynecologist doing my other passion which would be the human body and babies Dave, realistically, because of my ET contact and my heavy focus on psychic abilities, I was that weird girl in my late teens and early 20s. Instead of going out to the bar and hooking up with random people, I was doing yoga and meditating and eating an extremely clean diet and focusing on talking to my guides and all the different types of beings because that's where my focus was. And that was what I had been trained and kind of molded into, developed into, if you will based upon their guidance and the experiences I was having. And that kind of carried forth. Every time I try to go to university, I get pregnant. And they're like, we're not going to let you go to university in this lifetime. This is what you're meant to do. You're meant to normalize psychic abilities. You're meant to normalize ET contacts, multidimensional beings, and how to communicate with them. So there is no possibility for me in this lifetime to be a normal person. I can be relatively normal. As far as like, you know, being involved in pack and being a hockey mom and things like that. But I don't necessarily get to do a lot of the standard normal human things because there is PTSD that goes along with being in my lab. As well as, you know, some of the beings I have interactions with aren't necessarily nice. Others are wonderful. But it's a very complex and challenging situation to go through. The challenge that you go through on a daily basis, living a life like this, give us some some hints or some clues as to what you go through that, say, the normal everyday person who doesn't have contact doesn't go through. Well, there's the disturbed sleep that happens quite often. So what happens when you have a craft coming physically above your house is it actually changes the vibrational frequency that is being emitted in the location around you. So let's say you were to have a craft come physically over top of your home tonight and you're asleep in bed, let's say it's 3 o'clock in the morning, and then you'll wake up because you'll be sensitive to the energy, you'll feel in the same way that you would wake up if like a dump truck with a full load were to go down your street. You'd feel the vibration, you can sense that it's something very heavy and very different going down um, the street. It's the same thing with a craft coming over top. You can feel the vibrational change, it kind of wakes you up. 
So that can be a little bit challenging. So there's a lot of nights of disturbed sleep. My pets have anxiety when it comes to any kind of like light patterns in the house. Like, you know, things like orbs coming through or having like vortexes open up. So my one dog, anytime we have any kind of light, let's say a reflection from a cell phone going across the ceiling, he runs across the house barking at it like a fool because he's like, oh no, what are these lights? Are they here to take mommy again? What's going on? And then you have the joy of having children who, you know, they'll have physical contact. So sometimes your kids, when you have these things happen, will be sleepwalkers who might be walking out your front door and you'll be like, hey, 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 where are you going? What's going on? And you'll look at them and they're in a catatonic state. And you're like, okay, you're coming to bed with me. I don't know who's outside trying to have an abduction with you. Because it's really challenging when you're a parent and you wake up in the middle of the night and you can feel a craft and you sometimes feel a craft leaving then you walk around your house trying to figure out where the heck your 10 year old is that's less than like enjoyable to deal with and then you have the nosebleeds that come along with stuff like this or after physical encounters sometimes you or your children will wake up and you'll have like you'll feel the blood kind of coming from like up at the upper section of the nose and coming straight down especially if they've changed implants or with you or if they've um checked on them if they're malfunctioning in which case we do have a lot of ruined sheets and pillowcases so we get stuck buying those more frequently as well as clothing which is you know a little annoying so there's a lot of mundane things like that that could be frustrating there's also the inconvenient aspect Dave, of like waking up and find yourself down the street in front of an apartment complex that is one of your neighbors a few blocks away and be like why am i outside my nightgown and where are my shoes and how did i come to be here so, I mean, there's a lot of stuff like that that people who don't have contact don't necessarily recognize or realize is heavily inconvenient. When you say the vibration of having a craft above your house, what does that mm -hmm. feel like? It depends on the craft. Someone can emit a higher vibrational frequency, in which case it feels like the air is more alive. It feels almost like, um, have you ever walked into an area before either lightning hit or into like a substation of like a hydro yard where they're um, making electricity or transporting electricity from one area to another? Um, how it feels like the air almost has like that staticky feel to it, like it's more charged. It can feel a fair bit like that quite commonly. Some of the crafts can emit almost like this deeper vibration, like when they're traveling between one dimension to another, the vibrational shift of when they're fluctuating the particles between going from like a higher dimensional plane down to this one. It's almost like they're having to adjust the frequency around the craft to be able to transport from here to there. It almost feels like a warbling sound, like a woo, woo, woo type thing. And it feels really weird because it's very... It almost feels uncomfortable because you can feel like it's almost like how like having airwaves hitting you over and over, but it's like that deep resonance coming forward. That's one of the most common ways I could describe the two most common ones I've encountered. You know, is it something that affects yeah. your own your own judgment, mm -hmm. your own you know uh, mind and body and soul? Not necessarily when it like when, in the way that you think. So your mind can be impacted if they were to do things like um, put you into a catatonic state or to send you back to sleep. A catatonic state is an altered brainwave frequency. It's almost like you go from being conscious to being in like a trance state, very similar to what would happen if you were to be hypnotized. So you're still able to take telepathic commands, suggestions, and 
um, information, but it, you're not necessarily the one making the decision. It's the beings that are sending the telepathic command into your mind and getting you to either walk through the wall or walk downstairs and out the door, depending upon what they need. Now, when you're talking about the body aspect, yes, it can impact your body because if you're too close to a craft, if it's going between dimensions, it can actually be detrimental for your body and can result in things like um, radiation burns, physical burns, like strong sunlight burns. Like um, think of Travis Walton when he was put back, how he was quite sunburned. That's one example. People can have that if like they're having a craft going too close over their vehicle even and the light can just change their like the skin to being very red and very agitated so that is a physical reaction as well a lot of ets are very careful about that when they're putting people home now when we look at the soul aspect um when we discussed earlier about the contact happening and we were talking about how it can happen physically and astrally sometimes you will actually have your body stay in bed and they will take your soul as it's in its semi-astral state and they'll actually take your soul up onto craft and have experiences with them. That is actually more common than physical contact. And it is easier for the beings because they are taking you on a multidimensional plane to a different dimension. All right. I don't usually open up questions this early, but Anki here is asking, Hi, Samantha. Mm -hmm. What are the different ways in which humans can experience contact with other beings? Can it happen exclusively during sleep? So that's a really good question. Um, for some people, it will happen exclusively during sleep. Dave, don't take that question down. I need to do it in two parts and my brain's going to lose if I have it not on the screen. So when we're looking at this, if you do things like astral projection, so learning how to consciously leave your body at night, you can make the conscious choice to initiate contact with many of these beings by seeking them out. If, if you want to have communication with them. But quite commonly for people, they will have astral contact with the beings more so than physical. So if what that looks like is, let's say you were to go to sleep tonight. Let's say you've been working on um, detoxing your body for the last couple of years. You've been, um, you know, moving away from drugs, partying, really um, being addicted to TV, really recognizing that the things that are happening on Earth don't make sense, that the media isn't necessarily accurate, what our governments are telling us isn't accurate, and you're starting to wake up, so to speak. When you start to do that, your vibration starts to shift. And so the beings take note of which humans have their vibrations shifting and they kind of monitor them. And the earliest way that they initiate contact with most humans is actually through astral contact. And what that would look like is when you were sleeping, you would travel to typically the um, different dimensions. Sometimes you go to higher dimensions which can be very bright, loving, you feel safe when you're on them. It can look like very like different planets that you can travel to very easy. Sometimes you'll go to the lower dimensions, like the lower astral, which can be very dark, seems like nighttime, feels chaotic, kind of dangerous, not enjoyable. So what a lot of these beings do who are looking out to have interactions with humanity, they're actually from the higher dimensional plane, so they're operating at a faster frequency. And what that means is that because your vibration has been shifting and increasing, you are actually able to travel to those planes more easily. And they may be like, hmm, I'm a seven-foot-tall mantis being. If I go see Dave right now in my true form, he may be like, oh, that <laughs> is too big, too scary. I'm not dealing with that. I don't want to hear what you have to say. I'm going to skedaddle that way. And so quite commonly what they like to do is they'll actually put a bit of a facade over their appearance in the same way that like if we're going to be talking to children we don't know, we kind of crouch down to their level and we smile and we make ourselves more approachable. So they'll often put a bit of a facade over their appearance. It's called an energetic masqueration. And 
They're masquerading by putting this other appearance over top of them. And it actually typically will choose someone that you were already comfortable with. Could be your mom, could be a teacher, could be a friend you know from forever ago, or even just a very generic appearance. And when you're looking at them, you're like, huh, I think I'm talking to my mom, but it doesn't feel like my mom. The vibration doesn't quite feel right, but I can't quite put my finger on why this isn't right. And yet they'll try to give you information and kind of get you accustomed to their vibration because you can't really alter your aura terribly well. Almost nothing can if you actually understand um, what the vibration feels like. So that's why it's really important to trust the energy that you're feeling. And so getting back to that, Yes, you can interact with them in the astral, and they will talk to you in that capacity. And Dave, can you put the other question up? Because I totally forgot already. Uh, well, I got to go back and get it here. Right. Um, uh, can it happen exclusively during sleep? What are the different ways? Oh, so the different ways people can have this are three different ways. You can have what's known as astral contact, as we just discussed. Physical contact, which is where your physical form gets the pleasure of actually seeing one of these beings in person, such as the experience that Dave and I had in the woods a very long time ago where, you know, we're having a nice little walk through the woods and then we end up seeing beings a few hundred feet in front of us that were physically present as well. That is a very common way for people to see beings. Sometimes they'll see them like happenstance like that. And the other way you can have contact is through psychic abilities, which is where you get a lot of the people that are on things like uh, TikTok and YouTube who are sharing their channeling information when they're tapping in on a telepathic level and a claircognizant level with the beings who they are having interactions with which is one of the harder ones because you're relying on your claircognizance, your ability to receive downloads of information, as well as your clairsentience, your ability to read the energetic field, and your clairvoyance, of course, to visually see who you're talking to, what it is they want you to understand. And that one can be very tricky because you have to be very good at recognizing the vibrational frequency of the beings that you're talking to, recognizing that this is a prey, this is a mantis, this is a mintakan, this is a whatever, Not and knowing that it's not, okay, this difference between these and this is what a shadow being feels like versus a dead person so there's a lot of discernment involved it's really fun though well i i think so and i know you enjoy it too you know one of the other questions i wanted to ask you in regards to contact is when it happens whether it happens as Mm -hmm. a child or whether it happens as an adult there is always this this immediate fear that is built into most of us Okay, is that because of the contact we've had or the the message that we have learned through years of watching through the media? I think both. The greatest love story ever told. Romeo. Sweet Juliet. Was missing a chapter. Mine. Now streaming. Meet Romeo's ex, Rosalind. So you're going to break them up? Of course I am. The love story you know. Romeo and Juliet. Doesn't even sound right. The ex you don't. We just need to stop a wedding. My boyfriend is about to make the biggest mistake of his life. It's your boyfriend's wedding. Ouch. Blow me. Caitlin Deaver is Rosalind. Rated PG-13. Now streaming only on Hulu. Have plans for the outdoors? Make the memories last with Orca coolers and drinkware. Orca coolers are built to be as strong as the adventures you take them on. That's why they have a lifetime warranty while giving you world-class temperature retention. Orca's premium drinkware offers the same high quality, keeping your drinks icy cold or hot for hours. Their tumblers and martini cup are perfect companions for your next outdoor adventure. Go to orcacoolers.com and use promo code 15 for 15% off your order. That's orcacoolers.com, promo code 15. 
those are completely valid reasons why someone could have some apprehension and or possible fear in relation to contact. But another reason why people may experience fear with contact as well is, Dave, if you were to have something come near you that is so vibrationally different than what you generally experience as well as physically different than what you are accustomed to seeing, whether it's, you know, on TV or in textbooks in school or even in your day-to-day -day life, you are naturally, just through our biology and our evolutionary history, going to be apprehensive and a little uncertain around it. And that's just being intelligent. You're, until you have an idea of how this being is going to interact with you, it's, of course, natural to be afraid. Okay. Should we, though? And how do we get over um, that fear if, if the contact is good? Because for me, uh, you know, mm -hmm. and many others, we only get yeah. five, ten-second snippets of what's going on. Sometimes it's a little longer. Sometimes it's shorter. And mm -hmm. and how are we supposed to be able to piece together what happened if we don't know what's happened? So there's a couple ways that I want you to approach that. It's not necessarily right to be afraid, but I do think it is important to be conscious and intel like intelligent about it. In the same way that you wouldn't just let some random person you don't know into your house, you would actually want to, you know, just kind of use discernment. When you meet people, every single person that you meet, I want for you to stop and just take a moment, take a breath and be like, is this person a safe person? Do I feel safe with them? Do I feel as though there's something right about them or not right about them? Because as you get in the habit of applying that, so too will you apply it to the animals you encounter, bears, cougars, dogs, raccoons, whatever, Bigfoot, or the beings that you encounter. Because it does not matter if you um, are meeting a gray or a Pleiadian or whatever it is. Absolutely every species has the individual free will thought pattern. And so that means the individual may have good intentions towards you or negative in the same way that humans do. So you do have to take that into consideration. You shouldn't just walk up to, oh, it's a humanoid HT. They're going to be so sweet. Oh, dude, just like a plane. I they're awesome. Oh, crap. I'm going to need help. Why did I listen to my intuition and know that they weren't necessarily kind? Because you're making, in the same sense, racial judgments about them, which we have to be very cautious of with the beings in the same way that we do with individuals, right? Very important to take into consideration. Very true. Samantha, I'm going to get you to hold yeah. on right there because... We are going to go to break here at the bottom of the hour. A cup of E.T. is what we call it when Samantha comes on. I love that name. Yes, I came up with that one. That little catchy ditty myself. SamanthaMowit.ca is her website. When we return, we are going to get more into extraterrestrials. And that feeling of something strange all around you. Can you control it? How do you deal with it? We'll be back with Spaced Out Radio right after this. You know, I often think, what would have yeah. ha happened if I would have walked up to that craft? <laughs> what have happened? Five days before I met you, what would have happened? Yeah. And I often think, what would have happened if I would have followed Samantha down that path? <laughs> it's okay, Dave. You're just, we're just going to have to go back in the woods again. It'll be fun. You'll get to see I'm me again. I'm in the woods. I'm in the woods. James Weston, yeah. Jeff Perry, what's happening? 
You know, I think you need to, when you're coming down here, come down for a night or two. We'll get Pascal up here and mm-hmm. uh, we'll all head into uh, the Sasquatch area. Sounds like fun. Mm-hmm. I like Sasquatch. They're really sweet. From the ones that I've had the pleasure of meeting, they're quite sweet. So, <clears throat> Well, that big guy we saw a week ago. Ooh-wee. Can't wait to go back <laughs> Sunday night. Sunday. Well, bring them some peanut butter. Make a peace offering. <laughs> no, they were very happy we were there. Yeah. Very happy. So that'll be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, well, now, mm-hmm. now I'm just going to let the audience know that even though I am dieting right now and watching what mm-hmm. I eat, I'm on a high meat diet. Where I am going tomorrow, I'm going to Taco Bell. That's where <laughs> I'm going tomorrow. My son has oh, hockey. <laughs> my son has hockey in a Taco Bell town, and I could guarantee you that I will not be leaving that town without Taco Bell. Guaranteed, hundred percent. I love the passion for Taco Bell. Oh, I'm so excited! I'm so excited. The next time I drive down, I'll bring you Taco Bell. Oh, please, please. I'm so excited. Tomorrow, one more sleep. One mm-hmm. more sleep. You're funny. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, it's interesting. You mentioned some sort of green drink, I believe, that you wanted from there. Uh, What is that called? What is the green drink called? Uh, Oh, heck. America, help me out here. You guys love your fast food. What's the green blue drink at Taco Bell? The Mountain Dew stuff. Uh, what's, what's it called? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, Baja Blast. Yes. Huh. Yeah. Sounds exciting. I would, I would, I would literally get rid of my blood to put my full system in Baja Blast. <laughs> Lynn Wallington actually told me that that would happen. Yeah. I love Lynn. I haven't talked to her in a while. I have to reach out to her. Yeah, I haven't talked to her in a while either. <clears throat> this is not the ETs testing my willpower. This is humanity. This is survival. Think about it, people. When the big one happens and all that's left is Taco Bell and Twinkies, I've got Taco Bell to survive on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's hilarious. I don't know, Dave. We'll be fine. I'm not too worried about it. I'm not worried about it either. No. Although I haven't had a Twinkie in like two decades, so maybe I should try a Twinkie again. Oh, Twinkies actually gross me out. I'm having a hard time picturing what it is exactly outside of beige. So. No. Well, I mean... Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Hey, there's number 14 in your program, number one in your hearts. Mm-hmm. Starting on defense from Lulea, Sweden, Lars Janssen has joined us. Yay. And Ivan, <laughs> thank you so much. I'm not sure what the mm-hmm. COP is, but thank you for that super chat. Awesome. I love it. This. One is for 
Oh, it's a, oh, it's a Colombian. It's a Colombian peso. That's what that is. Cool. Thank you so much for that. Really appreciate that, Iman. I didn't know you were from Colombia. We can, I could once I get my map, I can actually start putting little pins in on where people are from. Now we, I know we got a listener in Colombia. That's awesome. Do you want me to look for one at Costco? They just had them like two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be cool. Okay. That'd be cool. All right. We got uh, 30 seconds. Thank you, Ivan, Enki, and W. David Page for the super chats tonight. Very much appreciate uh, the love and support. And don't forget, you can uh, give us a thumbs up, thumbs down. Hit subscribe if you're new. We're on our way to 20,000 subscribers. We'd appreciate it. And here we go with the second half hour. Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight with Samantha Mowat. We are hanging on out, talking all things extraterrestrial. Samantha, you know that over time, both privately and publicly, I have always reached out to you and something weird happens to me. Because why not go to someone weirder who would have the answer? And that would be you in my life or Pascal or somebody like that. So the question that I'm asking you is this. A couple weeks ago, we went into the forest, into our Sasquatch gifting site area. And many in our audience have already heard this. And what happened was when we turned up that logging road, we were immediately all hit with something different. Okay, from fear to uncomfortableness, uh, uneasiness. Uh, My buddy Mark was hit with uh, a feeling of very heavy, um, almost very paranormal uncomfortableness. I was hit with ETs. And I was hit with the idea that I was, as we were driving up the logging road, and it's already dark out, that there was... I was seeing pareidolia of alien grays everywhere up the road. Happened about eight, nine, seven, eight, nine times, maybe 10. Okay, where I'd look at a tree and I'd be like, is that a gray? Is that a gray behind the tree? But no, it was just the way the branches were shaped that looked like the eyes. And when we got there, it was so uncomfortable and uneasy. It felt dangerous. So much so, I never brought my little guy out of the truck. I never stopped the truck. And we were there for about 40 minutes before we decided to absolutely leave. Now, I have been in some uncomfortable situations before, but this was almost, it was eerie. It was absolutely eerie. 
And I'm wondering if you've had that happen before. Yeah, I have, unfortunately. What I want to mention, Dave, is when you're talking about how there's multiple people in the vehicle who are all sensing that something doesn't quite feel right, that exactly ties into what we were discussing earlier, how when you're going through your day-to-day life, recognizing the vibrational frequencies being emitted by people in places that you go to, because that is your clear sentience picking up on the vibration, you were picking up on the vibration of the beings that were in that area, and you could sense that they did not necessarily have the kindest intentions in mind, towards those that were entering to what they deemed to be their territory. And so when you were getting the clear cognizant download into your brain of greys, you were probably picking up on a group of greys that were within the area and the other people sensing that they weren't necessarily kind, that it was in your best interest not to stop the truck and not to allow your child to leave the vehicle. Those are all in, like impressions that you're receiving from your guide saying, hey, look, let's make it so that we're safer. Let's make it so that if they choose to go into this area, that they are still having contingencies in mind of how to vacate the area quickly because the beings there don't have your best intentions at heart. And so when we're talking about, you know, the beings and the frequencies they're emitting in us, whether something is safe or not, that, of course, is a group that isn't safe for you to be interacting with. That isn't one that you want to have any form of, you know, physical contact with. And the frequencies that they were emitting were even telling you without you even seeing them or having telepathic communication with them that they weren't kind. And so I'm glad that you listened to your intuition and didn't try to, you know, call them out or bring them into your space or to have an abduction with them because that wouldn't necessarily go well for you or your kin. Yeah, we didn't see anything. And, you know, Robin McRae, who was our guest uh, recently Mm -hmm. here, she even stated that Mm -hmm. she she believed that sometimes a Sasquatch will put out that negative energy if they feel there is something not safe around. And, Mm -hmm. And she figured it may have been that, but she felt the alien energy in that area as well. So I'm just curious. Like, we didn't see any... uh, any craft that night we didn't feel any craft it didn't you know even though it was very extraterrestrial energy you know but it just it was weird it's only the second Mm -hmm. time in my life that i have actually experienced that Mm -hmm. and it was very uncomfortable well i've had a similar situation when we were driving through the woods several years ago and we were looking because it's chanterelle season and we like mushroom picking. It's one of our favorite foods or chanterelle mushrooms. And so we were exploring up here in northern BC when we were new to the area. And as we were driving through this really mountainous, isolated area, we had a very similar vibration come around us where you could just feel as though something doesn't feel right. You can feel that you're not welcome in that area. You can sense the vibration of it's almost like everything is quieter, like a lot of the animals are afraid to speak or to chirp or to really go out and venture like they normally would. And so when you encounter areas like that, it is in your best interest to just, you know, either back out and get out or go through as quickly as possible if that's what you have to do. But yes, I can agree that things like Sasquatch, which tend to be very kind as a whole, would be more inclined to emit a vibrational frequency to warn not only, you know, people, but also other animals that it's not in your best interest to be seen or in this area. It's time to vacate. So that does not surprise me at all. All right. One of the things that, you know, mm-hmm. we didn't feel was there was no vibration. Mm-hmm. There was mm-hmm. no, nothing really mm-hmm. to push us towards, 
you know, feeling like we were in a dead zone or feeling like we were in an area that was Mm -hmm. about to be run over. It didn't feel like that at all. Now, my buddy Mark Mm -hmm. had uh, had a telepathic message that if he had brought his gun out, that there would be Mm -hmm. consequences, that it wasn't a good idea. Well, what happens with some of these beings in particular, Dave, like let's say, for instance, because you guys did sense the vibration of a certain group of greys, we're going to stick with the greys for now. When they do land their craft and have more of a physical landing where the craft comes into this dimension, it can be done for scientific and explorational purposes where they're monitoring things like, okay, uh, what is the ground like? What is the pH like? What are the animals like in this region? How are they being impacted by, you know, not only the energetic frequencies that are shifting on Earth at this time, but what are the pollutant levels like? Um, how many of this, that, and the other things are we counting in that region? Because they are a very biological-focused species that tends to really have an interest in the flora and the fauna. And so quite often what they'll do is they'll actually have their craft be in a physical location. Sometimes it'll be on the ground in a clearing, such as a field or a meadow. Other times it'll be hovering, you know, above the trees and the beings will come down and actually teleport down to the ground. But they'll actually create almost like this dome of energy over a region. And what that dome does is they can tell who's coming in and who's coming out. It acts as a bit of a warning system in the same way, like if we were to establish a perimeter when we're camping, that way we can tell like, okay, there's a bear in the area we heard a the string get triggered that's got like the cans on it or something ridiculous but with as in a pardon me as a level of comparison as to what this has the function of doing and so one other thing that they do with this is when they establish those energetic parameters around a region they can also tell okay we know there's a bear in this quadrant or we know there's a wolf pack over here they get an idea of what is where and they can send the telepathic impressions to them to boot them out of that region that way it's safer for the beings as well and so when you guys are coming through that area and you have them really kind of like um sending you those telepathic messages of being uncomfortable of not necessarily being safe it isn't that they're going out of their way to be mean towards you so much as they're saying get out of this area we don't want you here and that craft could have been within a kilometer of you it could have been even something like a small distance like that that is um kind of like their perimeter or their region and so when your friend's getting the impression about the gun, yeah, a lot of greys and beings don't like guns. Why would they? They aren't necessarily walking around armed in the same capacity for most of the species, that is. Well, I could tell you this. We definitely felt like we were being watched. I was yeah. very surprised that we mm-hmm. didn't see anything. Uh, and, uh, but, and it was... But what you want? Go ahead. No, it, it was just troublesome. It, it, was, mm-hmm. it was just troublesome absolutely troublesome but you not seeing anything does not mean that something is not close to you because with the use of things such as cloaking technology and telepathic influence it's easy for many beings to be able to disguise their appearance to blend into the surroundings and to make it so that most people do not notice them even people that are extremely clairvoyant may not necessarily see a being that is in a cloaked state So cloaking, of course, is when something is able to blend into the vibrational frequency of what is around them. That was like mimicking that in the same way um, that when you're watching something like Harry Potter and they're wearing the cloak, you can make up a slight outline of where they are because of the movement and the fluctuation of it. But it's very difficult to catch that subtlety, especially at night. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, that makes life interesting a little bit more, you know, as mm-hmm. as we go through. So when you yeah. get that feeling, how quickly should you get the hell out? If you get that impression, you should leave very quickly. You should not mess around with it at all. 
because you don't know the intentions of the beings that you're interacting with. If they're willing to say to you, like even on an energetic level, that they don't want you in their region, it's best just like animals to get out of that region very quickly and to not offend them. Because the last thing you want to do is to have them be agitated and feel like they have to go on the offensive with you. Because many of these species, although people think that, you know, the greys kind of stick to themselves or the reptilians stick to themselves or the Pleiadians, a lot of them actually have various species on board craft and can be in different capacities or roles that they agree to do. And so when we're looking at that aspect, I would move out very quickly because the last thing you want to do is piss off the reptilian greys. The last thing you want to do is piss off some of the um, other ones because they can do things like send you headaches or telepathic um, pressure to your head, causing you nosebleeds, causing you to be dizzy or to become disoriented, which could be dangerous if you have to drive. They could do things like accelerate your heart rate to make it so you think you're having a heart attack so the people that you're with actually will take you out of that region much quicker and rush to the hospital to not stay there. There's a lot of things they can do that aren't necessarily them coming and, you know, pointing a gun in your face, but are still equally as dangerous for you. Well, I mean, what if we want to just brawl a little bit with them? <laughs> That's stupid. <laughs> like, you're, you're fighting typically, sorry, with, like, if you're fighting with something that's much more psychic than you, they have the upper hand than you. They can get you to turn your gun on yourself and to, like, shoot the people that you're with or to, like, make you commit suicide, even though it's not what you're wanting to do. It's not so worth other, it. In other words, what you're saying is they are not going to play fair. They're not going to no. fight. The greatest love story ever told. Romeo. Sweet Juliet. Was missing a chapter. Mine. Now streaming. Meet Romeo's ex, Rosalind. So you're going to break them up? Of course I am. The love story you know. Romeo and Juliet. It doesn't even sound right. The ex you don't. We just need to stop a wedding. My boyfriend is about to make the biggest mistake of his life. It's your boyfriend's wedding. Ouch. Blow me. Caitlin Deaver is Rosalind. Rated PG-13. Now streaming only on Hulu. Higher prices make it hard to get what I need. Try Ibotta. Just download the free app, go shopping, and get cash back. Plus, when you try Ibotta, get a $5 bonus with referral code IHEART. Ibotta. Cash back made easy. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store. Fair. Dave, we don't play fair when we're fighting with animals. Look at us against, like, a, a bear or a raccoon. Like, we have our guns and our knives and the things that we use, tasers even. Like, that's us using our technological advantage to outmaneuver some of these animals. When they don't necessarily have the same need for the technological aspect. They're able to do it more mentally. So, of course, they're going to defend themselves how they think is necessary and given the situations in that moment. It's not, it's not in your best interest to try to fight them. It's really not. I know. I know. But, you know, I yeah. owe a couple of them. I really do owe a couple of them. Yeah, but I mean, that's up for you to determine how you want to deal with that. I know, I know, but sometimes revenge is mm -hmm. sweet. That's all I'll say. Sometimes revenge is sweet. And there's a couple that, out there that, uh, you know, old Davey would love a return visit to. I'm sure many I, contactees would as well. That one. And I think a lot of people who've gone through contact, especially when they don't understand, you know, what is necessarily happening within their contact, would agree with that. 
because it is very easy with a lot of this to um, become victimized or to have post-traumatic stress from it, to have it impact your mental health and to make it so you're feeling as though you're not safe. And I understand that. But I do want you to understand, though, Dave, that sometimes what we have experienced in our contact can be misinterpreted and misunderstood. Oh, very very much so. Like, let's say, Dave, you were going through the hybrid program, and let's say that when you're like a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old and you find yourself laying naked on a medical examination table with the beings over top of you who are checking various aspects of your body, determining if you're a good fit, for the hybridization program, you might become very fearful of that and have anxiety dreams around medical procedures and doctors and around, you know, very skinny, tall people. If you were dealing with the tall grades, for instance, or very skinny, small people, Um, there are those aspects as well, or people, you know, that are bald is a very common one for some contactees to be afraid of. There's a lot to it. And, you know, when those memories of what actually happened with the contact experience start to come forward, you may not realize that the beings, while they were checking you with the various physical aspects and going through their checklist of what they need to know, may have also healed you from, say, a heart condition or put an implant in to make your liver more efficient or, you know, another one in at your kidneys to make it so they were running more smoothly. They do a lot of good as well when they are checking people if it's people they care about. I want to ask you, many of the contactees mm-hmm. that I have talked to have mm-hmm. always talked about having this gravitational pull that kind of, mm-hmm. you know, sucks you towards the ship or sucks you towards the aliens, and you can't break away from that gravitational pull. You can sit there and say, you're mm-hmm. not taking me, you're not taking me, but that gravitational pull still takes you away. Have you ever experienced that? Sometimes yes, sometimes yes. Yes, I have experienced it, and that gravitational pull can be modified if you know how to manipulate energy properly. So if you're having a astral encounter and they are, let's say, trying to um, have your soul come out of your body to go for an encounter on craft and then go to a different dimension in that capacity, you can break that because you can use energy to surround yourself and bring tremendous amounts of source consciousness, God, Allah, Buddha, whatever consciousness you want to call it, it's all the same bloody thing, infuse your body completely with it and break free of that. That is one way of doing it. You can also use things like um, energy and have it kind of go all around your head. That way they, you break out of that telepathic mind control aspect because there's a degree of telepathic influence that goes into physical encounters, influencing someone to, do, yes, walk to a ship or to lay still while they're carried out, um, let's say, with a telekinetic energy of a small group of greys to have them go into a ship type thing. There's a lot of different ways they do it, but quite commonly it is through telepathic influence. And if you learn how to start having more control over your mental faculties and over your energy manipulation, then you're able to better break free of these things if they aren't in your best good. So usually mm-hmm. that's where I blank out is at the yeah. gra- is at that gravitational pull. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, I can't shake it. Don't know what to do. Can't shake it. Well, you have to start gaining more control over your willpower and your ability to focus and your ability to stay focused on that one thing when it's very relevant for you. 
and one of the best ways to abilities or pardon me one of the best ways to increase your ability to stay focused is to decrease the amount of time you spend on technology in particular screens because one thing that's happening for all of us is we're addicted to um, moment by moment satisfaction and it's making it very difficult for us to actually have that telepathic ability to you know maintain our focus to stay in control of our minds Okay, so how do we stay in control of our minds? Learning how to stay focused on one thing for an extended period of time without additional streams of thought coming in interrupting your psychic focus. Meditation, which you hate hearing me say. Yoga, which you hate hearing me say. Um, things like Tai Chi that actually just kind of calm the mind and allow you to stay centered. I don't always rock at it, Dave. Don't feel bad. I'm not a master at it. They still, when they want for me to come with them out, feel like having an abduction, it's very easy for them to distract me. Look at how many encounters are like, I'll start asking them a question. They'll be like, look, Samantha, something's shiny. Oh, look, a puppy. Oh, look, a baby. I'm like, oh, okay, let's do this. So, I mean, they know the tricks and tips on how to, like, get somebody to be redirected when they're trying to gain, like, a lot of conscious recollection when they don't necessarily want that human being in the more cognizant type state. It's common. <laughs> How common is it? Quite. Dave, I've written out hundreds of encounters at this point. Like, I've sent you my first draft of my book, and you see how, like, retardedly, ridiculously, like, big that thing is. And I've started to look at my own contact history through a different set of, like, lenses and going, huh, it is very easy to distract me. And I know about these things, and I do all these things to practice to, you know, have more mental capability and to be more focused and directed. And it's still that easy for them to distract and redirect. It's, it's adorable. It's kind of funny, but it's adorable. I mean, look at humans. Can you think of a single person who can sit near their smartphone for an hour without checking it, without going to check their Facebook feed or their YouTube feed or their TikTok or whatever? Probably not, because we're always looking for that moment satisfaction. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. We have three mm -hmm. minutes to go before we have to uh, go to break here at the top of the hour. Samantha Mowat is our guest tonight on Spaced Out Radio. And uh, Samantha, the way I, I look at this is, you know, there's positive and negative contact. Do you believe that even though we may take it all as negative, because that's what humans do, that the majority of us are having sort of positive contact? I would say neutral to positive is probably more common. Judging by my contact history and the contact history of my friends, my family, and my clients, I'm in a very fortunate position to be able to find out about the contact that a lot of other people have had who I have interactions with. And I do think that a lot of it would be perceived by the ETs as positive. And, you know, by us, we may misinterpret it and we may put a negative connotation off because we don't necessarily have the information. And so what I want you to do is, Dave, let's say that you were to um, encounter a stray dog. And let's say that while you're going through the woods, you see this dog that looks like it's limping. And you're like, I'm going to take this dog to the vet, and I'm going to take it to a shelter so it can find a nice home and have regular food and get the medical help it's needing. That dog may look at you for the rest of its incarnation, and even though it may have only met you the one time, 
where, you know, you took the dog and you abducted it and then you transported it and then you did these weird medical things that it didn't understand. And they, oh my God, humans are scary. And the first chance it gets when it gets outside, that dog bolts and it's like, I am not dealing with humans. Humans are terrifying. It's the exact same thing where, you know, they don't always necessarily have negative intentions towards us, even though some of the things they do may cause us pain or can, you know, they aren't necessarily speaking to us because they realize that, oh, well, they're not going to remember. They're not going to understand. And so, you know, there's that communication barrier. So if you find yourself going through contact, what I want you to do is to look at the beings, even if it's just for a second, say, I'm remembering, because they will treat you differently. They will help to answer more questions to you. They'll be willing to treat you as more than just a completely vacant robot. They will start to share information with you. Even if it's just little snippets at a time, that relationship will grow and the amount of information you will see will increase with time. Very cool. One minute to go here before we got to go to break here at the top of the hour. (laughs) And we will take audience questions when we come back from the break here, from if you're in our ch- one of our chat rooms or you're on Twitter at hashtag Spaced Out Radio, you know, the one thing, Samantha, for you is this seems so easy. It seems so natural. You know, is it yeah. really that way for you or is that just the way you present it because you've been around this so long? I do think for the most part for me it's pretty easy, Dave. But I suck at other things. I can't cook eggs. I can't cook sidekicks. I can't cook craft beer to save my life. I don't get jokes very well. I suck at sarcasm. I walk into walls. Not good at normal stuff. That's okay. You have to know what our boundaries of capability are, right? But you have to look at it this way. Dave, if you practice some of these things as much as I did, and if you were to have gone through school on craft like I have, and like many hundreds of thousands of people around the world have done, it would be more natural for you as well. Yeah, I'll take your Just word like for anything. it. I'll take your word for it. Your question's next for Samantha Mowat on Spaced Out Radio. Here in our chat rooms, put them in capital letters. We would appreciate it. Easier for old Davey to read. More E.T. alien UFO talk when we return with Samantha Mowat on Spaced Out Radio. Beautiful. We're clear. All right. Aw. Hello, Dutch UFO for real. Cute. Nice yes. name. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to step away for a bathroom break. Uh, I'll put you in the green room for a couple of minutes, and I'll be right back. Okay. All right. Unless you want to hang out with the audience. I don't know if you can see the chat room or not. I can't. I'm going to refill my water anyway. All right. I'll, I'll, put, I'll put you in the green room. I'll be right back. Be right back, people.
got about a minute left here. And let's say hello to a bunch of people here. Hello there, Super Duke. Super Duke, Super Duke. Thirsted Howell Third. how are you? Who else has joined us late here? Dumaget John, what's happening? Thank you for joining our chat room. And let's see here. <clears throat> J. Joe, welcome to SOR chat. There's Samantha right there. Oh, hey, dude. One second. And um, what else? Holly Williams, how you doing? Hey. Mark Ellens, good to see you. If you have questions for Samantha, please put them in capital letters. That way I can uh, get to them. Thank you to Dave, W. David Page, Enki, Ivan, Donnie, Carlito, and Pascal for the super chats. Hi, Mennonite Abe. Here we go, guys. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. And on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Here we go with hour number two of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davy the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Vatust. Vatust is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets a password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on this hour with Samantha Mowat. She is a psychic intuitive clairvoyant who is also a lifelong ET contactee who helps people with their own contact. And we just get to have her on this show to ask a bunch of questions about everything aliens that is out there. Samantha, welcome back. Hey, Dave. All right. We got a couple of questions here to start things off. Let's start with Enki here, who is asking, can an extraterrestrial have a human as a pet? I would not be surprised with how diverse the universe is. I would not put it past someone to keep us as pets. I'm going to throw a different question. Same kind of thing, sure. but different question. Mm. Out of you know, we we get these missing people every year mm -hmm. that just vanish. Okay, yeah. and I do believe that some of them walk into portals and they don't even know, and nothing's changed for them except they're not on our timeline anymore. Yeah. But but I also believe that a lot of people leave with extraterrestrials. Maybe they don't like mm -hmm. it here anymore. Life is hard. Life is depressing. Life is mm -hmm. anxious. And they just want a fresh new start. So they're like, hey, boys, just take me. And boom, they're, they're gone. You know, 
have you have you ever in your travels with extraterrestrials ever met another human who who decided not to come back? No. No, I haven't had the pleasure of finding any humans that have had that capacity. I have been offered by some of the blue light beings that I work with to be able to leave and not come back. But I didn't make that choice. With some of the people that go missing, though, Dave, some of them do end up going for human slave trade. Some end up as meat. Some end up going through different dimensions, going to different planets, different places in time and space. That's fine. Some do meet nice beings that are able to take them around and allow them to be their guests. It depends upon the individual circumstance. Yeah, I, I can understand that, and, and I can and I appreciate that that some are are taken again. Have plans for the outdoors? Make the memories last with Orca coolers and drinkware. Orca coolers are built to be as strong as the adventures you take them on. That's why they have a lifetime warranty while giving you world class temperature retention. Orca's premium drinkware offers the same high quality, keeping your drinks icy cold or hot for hours. Their tumblers and martini cup are perfect companions for your next outdoor adventure. Go to orcacoolers.com and use promo code 15 for 15% off your order. That's orcacoolers.com, promo code 15. Everyone wants to feel safe, in control, and able to trust their own instincts. It's so important, especially as women, and especially when it comes to dating. I get it, and Bumble gets it. They're not just a dating app. They're a connections app built on a foundation of kindness and respect. Bumble has so many tools and resources designed to ensure their community remains a safe space to foster healthy relationships. To learn more, download Bumble and visit their safety and well-being center. It's their will for things that they have no control over. I do get that. You know, I'm just wondering if, you know, some of these people, like there's a story of Granger Taylor on Vancouver Island where in the early 1980s he said that, you know, he was going to be taken away by aliens. He was never seen again. Yet his truck was found with, you know, exploded up on one of the mountains. You know, Mm -hmm. and police ended up ruling it as a suicide, even though nobody believes Mm -hmm. that. You know, but he yeah. he had said for years that one day he's going to go with aliens and he's not coming. He expected to come back in four months, but he's never come back. But Dave, he may not want to have come back. Like if you think of it this way, when we're on craft, they have the ability, like with the different types of technology they have, to feed us food that is completely nutritious that balances us in all the right ways. It can look like a steak, but it's not meat. It can look like, you know, soup if you want soup or McDonald's or whatever it is you're craving. They have the ability to create food that we think tastes like all these things that we can get down here that are actually made of the substance that's a lot healthier for us. You don't have the same degree of stress down there because you don't worry about, did I pay my utility bill? Did I end up um, picking up all the things like the dog poo in the yard? Do I, I don't have to deal with my crappy neighbor anymore. I don't have to deal with, you know, whatever it is, the societal expectations and pressures. It really is different out there than it is here. And even the other humans that live on other planets, quite commonly, they don't have the same societal expectations, the same misogyny, misandry, racism, um, all the different biases that we have here, and especially not to the same extent. So I'm not going to be like able to look at anyone who makes a choice to not come back and think they made the wrong decision. Makes sense. 
Makes very yeah. good sense. All right, we got a bunch of questions uh, from our sure. audience lined up now. And let's go to, uh, let's see here. Let's go to President Zaddy. Why don't aliens like being photographed? Is it because they are meta? I don't know what meta Me- is. Meta. Um, go ahead. Don't worry about that part. Okay. So it's not that they don't necessarily like being photographed so much as when you are making the decision to allow a human to record you. It can actually place that person, President Zaddy, in a more compromised position. So, for instance, let's say that you were to have four different groups of ETs interacting with you. And let's say they were to allow for you to get physical evidence of them. And you were to post that, let's say, on various platforms of social media. If you were not already going through the MyLab programs, that would be a red flag right away because um, the things you're posting would actually be picked up by the powers that be. And they would recognize that they have to pay you a visit, either astrally or physically, although most likely both. And from there, you would be placed in various forms of interrogation, asking them, uh, they'd be asking you where the beings were, how did they come to see you, they would find out how long you've been interacting with them, and they'd be trying to gain as much information about the beings as humanly possible, which can actually place the beings themselves in a more compromised position and make it so you're not able to have a relationship with them in the same way that you did. Now, let's say that these beings were taking care of you in a physical capacity because you have an ailment. Let's say that your um, brain is moving towards developing things like Alzheimer's because you're using things such as fluoridated toothpaste and having fluoridated water. Or let's say that you're having, let's say, an irregular heartbeat, which they're checking um, periodically with every one of your yearly visits to make it so that they're adjusting any implants to be in such a way that your heart's not having damage as quickly as it would because of the genetic defect that's passed along through your bloodline. And so they would not be able to have the same relationship with you where they came to help take care of you. And you would not be able to complete the agreements that you have with them, such as, for instance, they could be monitoring you to see what the pollutants are like on the planet. You might be in the hybrid program, which case they'd have to necessarily take you out of that. Because when the government finds out that you were going through these programs um, with the extraterrestrials and multidimensionals, they want to find out as much information about the beings as possible which can make it so that beings don't necessarily want to give you as much information because they don't necessarily want that same information being given to the government. And so I know it may seem like Samantha, why are you giving such a long-winded answer? Why are you making it so roundabout? It's because it's a more complex reason than they don't simply want for people to have a photograph of you and your great bestie best friend. They're like, yeah, we're good. They don't necessarily care about that so much as there's a lot of reasoning that can compromise your safety and the safety of the beings in particular. All right, let's go to another question here. This one comes from Trisha. Sure. Hi, Samantha. I'm curious to know if you are taking in new clients. Um, Try texting me, Trisha. If you're trying to email me, I'm kind of overwhelmed with my emails and computer stuff right now, so I've ignored my work emails altogether. But, yes, if you text me and say that you're reaching out because of SOR, I will take on as a new client. Yeah, Trisha. But for the most part, no, I'm not taking people right now. Trisha can uh, reach out to me on Facebook or on social yeah. media, and then I'll pass your phone number over. Sure. Works for me. All right. Let's go <laughs> to George. And Jorge is asking, are owls connected to a particular group of ETs? For me, I've seen owls most commonly in relation to the greys, in particular the small greys. It is a very common facade for the greys to use, 
because of the large protruding eyes that the owls have, as well as their range of motion with their neck. Explaining it very far to the left, to the right, it doesn't seem as odd when you have a screen memory of an owl doing it, so much as, you know, say another animal like a deer. So for me, the owls I often associate with the grays. Yeah, it, uh, it's something when you see a four-foot owl standing there staring at you, right? Well, it's kind of weirder when you see the four-foot owl and the eyes are glowing and you're seeing a funny-looking person beside them. You're like, okay, this can't be right. This is definitely not a normal owl. It's kind of weird. All right, let's move on to another question. This one coming from yeah. YJ. Samantha, I've learned to beat paralysis and put my foot down to not accept being taken against my will. The only acceptable contact I'll allow is face-to-face. Why don't they just knock? Well, sometimes they do, which is kind of the funny part. So, YJ, do you remember earlier when we were talking about the aspect of things like, you know, when you're having your abductions and you're having your contact with the beings, telling them that I'm remembering and kind of approaching it from a more cognizant state? And from that more place of like empowerment, the reason I'm bringing that up isn't just so that you'll get to remember more, but also changes the relationship that you have with the beings. And they realize that, hey, YJ is cognizant and he's still choosing to be, you know, fairly compliant as we check his implants. And, you know, he's being um, relatively pleasant when we're, you know, checking the various things to do with his body and doing our body scans and sharing information with him. They're more inclined to actually send you the telepathic messages of YJ, will you please come outside so we can talk to you? And, you know, have the situations where you'll go open your front door and then walk out to a craft or to go walk out through your sliding glass door, things like that, and have the interactions rather than the abduction, so to speak. And I understand you're wanting to have the autonomy with your experiences and not wanting to um, be in a paralyzed type state and having being taken against your will, it's not very pleasant. But if you do interact with them and you do um, send them more telepathic messages, so telepathy is very easy. It's very simply like, you know, it's my mind going into your mind. You look at the being that you're wanting to have telepathic communication with, and it's very easy with the eyes. And so when I were to make eye contact with you, if I'm trying to give a telepathic command or suggestion to you, I would quite commonly look at you and make strong eye contact with you. And it's the same thing with the beings. If you think about how a lot of the beings are, when they're trying to put you in that paralyzed or catatonic state, they will either go towards that lovely little spot on the shoulder and they'll get it right about here and touch you, and it's almost like they reflexology type point where they can get you in a more relaxed state and then they'll quite calmly come look into your eyes and look down at you and it's to get you into that altered state of consciousness there you go good answer he lives up by you nice vanderhoof i believe somewhere around there yeah very cool the heart of the province right there vanderhoof british columbia Let's go over to David. Hi, Samantha. Do you know if the seven foot or taller grays work with the military? Some of the seven foot tall grays do work with them, David. And one thing I've found with the grays is there's actually several different varieties of beings like grays that are working with them. And there's variations of the grays as well. Because when people think of grays, they think, well, it's the really cute little four foot tall one. But there are some of the taller grays, some of the taller whites. We also have various forms of reptilians that are working with the military, some of the mantis beings as well. 
so and some of the humanoids such as the Aldebarans are working in particular with like things like the US government and um, as far back as like going back to World War Two, working with the Nazis as well there's a lot of ETs that are working with our governments that people don't necessarily know about the taller ones from what I've noticed tend to be more focused on the technological component they don't seem as focused on things like the hybridization the breeding and the telepathic sharing of information when it comes to like my my lab experiences where I'm having interactions with both military and extraterrestrial at the same time I don't commonly interact with the taller ETs I just don't what if you don't have a choice they just haven't been brought into the room with me at the same time when I've had things like my implant procedures done with the implant that was in my nose that I know the government has put in there, it's been done with the smaller ETs. When I've dealt with, you know, some of the more psychic aspects, I've been dealing with the greys and the reptilians. When it's been in relation to the breeding components, it's been more commonly things that look very similar to, like, the white greys, as well as things like the mantis-type beings are more common for those interactions. I have seen the taller greys, in particular, in passing when walking along corridors, but I haven't had the interactions with them when it comes to things like the military encounters. I see them, but they don't talk to me. So I don't get a lot of say in those situations, Dave. All right, let's go here with Mennonite Abe. Do extraterrestrials have any forms of entertainment as we humans know it, singing, art, etc.? They really do love the sound of the various vibrations that are emitted by things such as planets and nature sounds. I've noticed that in particular when dealing with the humanoid ETs. Some things I've noticed when it comes to the more creative aspects and my more recent encounters is they do seem to have an appreciation towards looking at some of the human art. Some of the hybrids in particular have fascinations with things like um, books and they can be collectors of things because they have the comp like the two combining aspects of DNA. They have the earth human DNA in some cases as well as various ET DNAs. And so they can have a fascination with some of their lineage history. So with this one encounter that I had, there was a woman who was a hybrid who had, um, she had this lovely desk that was made here on Earth. She had a deck of old worn playing cards. She had a yellow snake that had been dried out. She had a book. And, you know, those are very precious things to her. And so the book, of course, would be entertaining for reading. The snake, of course, be, you know, entertaining as far as, like, the studying and the biology focus. But the playing cards indicate there's a fascination with the cards. I don't think she uses them for divination, but she might know different games than we do she didn't do games with me but when it comes to things like tv i don't recall seeing tv they do actually appreciate singing they appreciate storytelling because one thing that i've done with my hybrid babies which is one of my favorite things to have happen is the telepathic um information that you can project out of your mind into the room and tell stories and sing to them which has been quite lovely and one of my primary breeding partners he projected into the room you know the story of the very star wars saga which is kind of silly but it was really quite a lovely experience because it's almost like the equivalency like our idea of star wars is kind of like the equivalency of like a fairy tale to them just with how ridiculous the human perception of it is like it's a very juvenile perspective sorry but it is and with my um gray hybrids i've sung to them quite a fair bit and they really enjoy human singing so yeah they do have some appreciation for the arts and creativity and you know you always stick with the ones that like metal too <laughs> you know you gotta like metal <laughs> Always about the metal. Okay. <laughs> you know, I don't think to sing the metal, Dave. Maybe I just need to badass up my playlist a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'll try. 
Get rid of the Coldplay, get rid of the Celine Dion and the Jan Arden, and go straight to the metal. Or more likely, get rid of the Disney dudes, but whatever. Right, right. Whatever, but, um, you know, I really like Donnie's um, perspective here, because he's talking about how if he ever meets an ET, he's going to bombard them with questions. And you know what? You might. You might be one of those people who's actually able to maintain your cognitive faculties when you're in the presence of something that's so different than what you're normally accustomed to being near. However, in my experience from most people that I've seen, they need ETs and they're just like, their brain kind of shuts off. It's information overload. They're too focused on the visual stimuli, the energetic stimuli, and they walk away from those situations having a billion questions without actually having thought in that moment to ask one. Mm-hmm. And so if you do want to meet ETs, you want to have interactions with them, Donnie, starting your astral projection and interacting with them on an astral level. That way, if you ever get the chance to meet them face-to-face, you'll be better prepared to be able to interact with them in a more conscious capacity and have more control over what you're speaking about. Very true. Very true. Yeah. All right, let's get to Donna Spencer. Do aliens visit you as shapeshifters or ghosts? As ghosts, no. As shapeshifters, yes. So I want to clarify one thing. Um, a ghost is a deceased person, of course, and they do sometimes appear as people that you love that are deceased if they know that you find comfort in that person, but they don't come across as like a see-through apparition of that person. They'll come through as a more physical form as though that person were alive and well and interacting with you. Now, the shape-shifting component, yes, many of them do have the ability to shape-shift or alter your perception of what they look like. One thing, one of the earliest recollections I have of a being shape-shifting in front of me would be an Andromeda that came to see me in my bedroom many, many years ago, and he shape-shifted to have the appearance of my husband. Whereas in other encounters, I've had very similar things happen where I've had being shape-shifted to be my children or to be other family members. If, like, for instance, one of my aunts, who I really didn't like, and as soon as I saw them, like, that woman's not nice to me. There's no way you're my aunt. Because, you know, not the nicest person to me, and that's okay. No judgment. But that was a dick, a very clear giveaway as soon as I saw her um, in, like, a slightly coming out of catatonic state, um, gaining recognition on craft. Like, you're going to a more cognizant type state of mental faculty. And you're looking at her going, like, that's not right. You're not Tracy. <laughs> so. Very strange. Yeah. Very, mm-hmm. very strange. Okay. I think we got time for one more question. We got about two minutes here. Let's go to Eric Cooper. Hey, Coop and Coop's beard. What race was Valiant Thor? Venetian. Many of the planets here in our solar system have um, humans on them. Mars has some with the, you know, the Black Ops programs and their ex- like their um, expansion off of Earth going into other planets. The Venetians live on Venus, obviously, and they're another group of humans, but they don't seem to have the same control from the reptilians that we do, which is interesting. I haven't had the pleasure of interacting with Valiant Thora, but I do have a strong appreciation for some of the work that he's done. According to Craig Campobasso, who wrote the mm-hmm. book about Frank E. Stranges, Dr. Frank E. Stranges, mm-hmm. regarding his uh, relationship with Valiant Thor, he believes Valiant yeah. Thor is still here on Earth. You might think they age differently than we do. They know how to have better cellular regeneration. 
even if you were to interact with Palladians, you'll notice that many of them don't seem to age at the same capacity that we do because they do practice things such as, you know, intense breathing techniques. They practice infusing their food with light. They are very cognizant of what emotions that they're holding on to and how to release them from the body so the organs are not becoming damaged at such an alarming rate because that's part of how things work from what they've explained. Every thought becomes energy. Concentration of thoughts become concentrations of energy. The different emotions are stored at different organs, which eventually the dis-ease within the vibratory field becomes disease within certain parts of the body. Very fascinating, incredibly in-depth. I love it. But if you look at things such as Thor, yeah, he came around, what was it, like 50 years ago, 60 years ago? He could still look just as young as he did then because they have a better ability to nourish, nourish their body and to not be as polluted as we are. Well, you know what? Uh, the one thing about mm -hmm. it is uh, Valiant Thor was allegedly working with the United States government, mm -hmm. and, you know, there there's word that he still is today that his ship is parked some military base out east and that you know, hey, maybe he's still doing the communication thing. We we really don't know. It's one of those beautiful little stories and, and rumors that we can only hope is, uh, is true. Well, some of the ETs that are interacting with our governments are doing so because they want to see us make better decisions and to help us move into our intergalactic travel in a more love-based capacity and most of the um, way that we're currently going about it, which is more expansion and war-based. So I can understand why certain groups of ETs would be trying to have influence not only through the contactees and the abductees, as well as through the incarnating as starseeds, but also through... Samantha Mowat on Space Out Radio. We have her until the top of the hour here on the Mighty SOR. More ET talk when we return on Space Out Radio. Stay tuned. All right, we're clear. Good job. Yeah, good job. Um, hmm. What? Oh, I'm just uh, happy to be here. Oh, yeah. I'm super grateful for coffee in the mornings. That's going to make it a lot easier. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes. The old Timmy's mm -hmm. beverage in the morning on the way to the hockey rink. Yeah. <laughs> Got to avoid the Timbits, though, right? Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, I don't mind. I don't mind. I, I love getting up. There's something about the smell of a hockey rink first thing in the morning. Mm. It's a beautiful smell. Zamboning. That ice smell. It smells so good. <laughs> yeah. I miss the days of when I was a hockey mm -hmm. instructor and I had keys to the rink. And nice. <clears throat> Sometimes my buddies and I, we'd stay up all night just so we could mm -hmm. go skate at like four o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the that morning, just to, yeah. you know, that first ice is just, it's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. It really is. <laughs> hey, Alex Kuhn. I believe you. I can't skate to save my life, so I have to learn how to skate, so. Well, you tie skates though, don't you? Or do you make the kids tie I their do. own? <laughs> yeah, I do it. And now I have short nails because there's no way long nails can tie those things tight. No, 
I'll give you a little hint. Never tie the laces mm-hmm. around the ankles. Okay, why? It it actually uh, weakens your ankles. I will stop doing that. Okay. And there's a hockey tip from your hockey guru on Dave 101. <laughs> National Car Rental has your back, Road Warriors, because we know you're picking up the pace. Steering life at 10 and 2, you're hitting the road, and National's helping you get there with the confidence of our complete clean pledge. So skip the counter without missing a beat. Choose any car in the aisle and be the boss of you. National Car Rental. Go like a pro. Subject to availability and other restrictions. Requires enrollment in the complimentary Emerald Club. Hey, Seaspire Country, circle up. Inflation has hit us hard, so here's what we're going to do. We're giving you 12 months of free service on any new line. Together, we're fighting back with our best deal in wireless history. We call it Inflation Retaliation. Get your wireless plan free for 12 months with any new line activation. Because in Seaspire Country, we look after our own. Requires new line activation and 36 months service obligation. Early termination fee applies. See Seaspire.com for details. Tell me more, because I have nothing. It's a new culture for me. Yeah, always tie the laces to the top, but never around the ankle. I can do that. Yeah. And um, always one finger between the uh, chin strap. And Mm -hmm. uh, what else can I tell you? The stick should be cut. Technically, the stick should be cut Mm -hmm. at nose height, just below nose height, with their yeah. skates off. Okay. Yeah, because we've got, like, I think so many freaking hockey sticks by our back door, and I'm like, or, why do we have this many? Or if you're, if you're once you once you figure out your shooting style, when you grow older, then yeah. you adjust your stick the way you want. So my mm-hmm. stick, I cut, I cut chin level yeah. with my, with my shoes on. Or my or oh. shoes off. Good to know. Uh, steam train, Mark. Yes, I did drive a Zamboni for three years. Hi, Oh yeah. I love Zambonis. There's one here in town that's like a train or something. Like that is so cool. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I'm thinking about putting, now that I got my driveway done, once the snow starts, I'm going to start piling it around, Mm -hmm. and then I'm going to make a ring. You should. Yeah. I was looking at, we've got this cement pad in the backyard, and I'm like, I wish I knew sooner the kids are going to want to play hockey. My guys didn't give me any indication of that, or I wouldn't have put garden beds on. I'm like, that's the perfect hockey rink at home spot, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm thinking as soon as the snow starts, I'm gonna start building uh, walls. Nice. And then I will. Um, mm-hmm. I will uh, freeze it every night. That way, yeah. we got our own skating rink there. I, I go buy a. Gotta go buy a net. Mm-hmm. Good um, idea. YJ Overlander, my friend drives a Zamboni in PG. She's actually a certified engineer, but that's her main job. Hey, I that would drive. So a, cool. I would drive a, a Zamboni in PG. I would. I'd drive a Zamboni anywhere. They're fun. <laughs> That'd be a really fun vehicle to drive. Oh my goodness! Mm-hmm. I'd have fun with it. 
Uh, I'm sorry, Donnie Cho, that I cut my hair. I'm sorry. I, me too. It looked good, right? So yeah. good. Dave, you got to grow it back. When I lose my weight, I will. I will think about it. Um, mm-hmm. There was one. Yeah. There was one picture of me that a friend of mine took in Denver. That yeah. I just I felt like such after seeing that photo I felt like such a fat slob. Uh, it just it bothered me. But I mean, we all take bad photos once in a while. Right? No, this one was bad uh, with me up on stage. It, oh well. Uh, hi, Oli. Hi, Truth Seeker. How you doing? And uh, thank you to all our super chatters, W. David Page, Enki, Ivan, Donnie times two, Pascal times two, Carlito, Vaughn, and Flash Forward. Here we go. taking the time to join us we really do appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call earth hi to everyone who's tuning us on in and remind you that all of our archives are free join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio do old davy the favor hit that subscribe button website is spacedoutradio.com. we have a plethora of features for you Rock out Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue <laughs> on tonight with Samantha Moat. We're going to the top of the hour talking all things alien and extraterrestrial. Samantha, we do have a one or two more questions but there is a topic i do want to get to which we'll get to later on it's in regards to you know disclosure and i really want to hit this topic with you tonight but first we're going to talk to donna here and she is asking what if the ghost is someone you met in your dreams not a family member but a stranger then it might actually be a dead person coming to see you, Donna, especially if your mediumship skills are starting to develop and you're starting to do things like other astral projection or things of that capacity, in which case the deceased person may see you in its normal day-to-day experience and see you in your conscious waking state and you may be sporadically kind of seeing something out the back corner of your eye or like seeing somebody there for a second then gone, in which case it might come to see you in your dream time rather than trying to keep interacting with you in a conscious capacity in your day-to-day waking life if you're too distracted. Yes, an ET could make the choice to present itself in that capacity, but it's less inclined to because if it tries to show itself to you in that partially translucent form that ghosts are often stereotypically like um, perceived as or shown as, it would be more inclined to raise a red flag because a lot of people are afraid of ghosts as well, so it's not likely an ET would do that. But it is more likely a deceased person would come to interact with you. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I wanted to ask you a question about Mm -hmm. disclosure because this is a hot-button topic. It is a topic that will affect every single person on this planet. It's a topic that is rife with what is truthful and what is not. 
you and I have talked about disclosure in the past, about the benefits and the negativity about it, but I am really, really starting to see disclosure in a in a very not-so-positive light. I see it as something that is coming where it's about a military threat narrative that just won't go away. I think there is very few people controlling that narrative, and when you have a few people controlling any sort of narrative for seven and a, or 7.75 billion people on this planet, that's dangerous. It really is. I think it's about space money, space mining. Uh, I think it's about technology and getting to that technology first. You know, I just don't feel good about any sort of disclosure right now. What's your thoughts on that? I think if it's not done with a careful calculation, it could be very dangerous for a lot of humanity, in particular any of us who admit publicly that we have any semblance of contact with the extraterrestrials and multidimensionals. I do agree that the purpose behind disclosure from the perspective of a lot of billionaires and the industrial complexes is not being done with the best interest of humanity in mind. I fully agree with that component. But they were not doing anything with our best interest as it is. And I think that's also why the beings are trying to go around the backs of our governments and those who are in control and have interactions with the public and to be showing you know, UFOs all across the world on a nightly basis in various capacities. All it takes is going to any social media platform to see how often um, people are starting to see craft now, which is incredible. No, and, and I do realize that more people are starting to see it. But the way I look at it, you know, coming out of this mm-hmm. is that the more and more I look at, the more and more I see mm-hmm. that people experiencers you me the people listening to this show seem to have more answers than what the government does or at least what they'll let us know and i find Mm -hmm. that dangerous because this is something where we know there's been a cover-up you know in modern ufology Mm -hmm. since roswell and they only want to let us know what they want us to know and that is not transparent at all moving this entire subject forward I fully agree with you, Dave, but they haven't been transparent about virtually anything with us. Not about the history of the planet, not about things like the giants that were here or how connected the ancient cultures were. They have been lying and controlling us for a long time. So, of course, even with something such as the presence of extraterrestrial life, they aren't going to be honest with us. They will have a very controlled, scripted narrative that they try to play as a um, unit. So the entire West will probably have one narrative that may differ from the narrative that's being presented in the East or in other parts of the world because of the different factions and alliances that they have going on within their own in-house fighting. And so that's not surprising to me. But where I do think it's important for people to look at the situation is if you look at the extraterrestrials and multidimensionals, It does not matter which group necessarily comes down to have, and I quote, first contact with our planet. And I, of course, put that in quotations because it isn't necessarily accurate. We've had contact for thousands of years, but the first official contact, these beings are going to be doing it if they have permission from our governments, but our governments are going to pick the ones that fit their narrative best 
and who can we best control and have a bit under our thumb for how they're willing to interact with humanity as well. They won't choose a group that they have no control over that's appealing to the eye. So we won't necessarily see humans that are safe from the Pleiades coming forward or humans from, um, let's say, Venus coming forward as our first group of contact because they aren't necessarily going along the same narrative that our governments want. We're more likely to see ones that we're already seeing on my lab bases, such as, you know, the greys coming forward or the reptilians coming forward. I think we're more inclined to see them because they're going to have similar alliances already in place. Now, that's not to say all the reptilians are bad. That's not to say all the greys are bad. That's just simply stating the simple fact that these are ones commonly seen on the bases and found within the contact of people who are having physical and astral abductions with black operative groups. So they already have a working relationship, so to speak, with some of the factions of those species. So I think it's important for all of us to use our discernment, no matter what we are being told by our governments in relation to all of this or anything at all, is it with you, the information you're receiving, does it resonate? Do you feel your energy expanding and as though it's feeling calm in a sense of it feels right in your soul? Or does it create that heaviness, that feeling of sinking and tension, like fear and anxiety create within us? When we're being told really scary things that are meant to invoke fear and panic rather than conscious awareness. I think it's scary. I think it uh, really shows the strength of the military-industrial complex. And I think it's something that each and every one of us needs to be extremely wary about. And I don't think, I agree, there, but I don't think there's anything comfortable with that. No, and, you know, there really isn't, especially when we had, I, was it Nixon who was saying all it takes is a threat from outside of our planet to unify all of us together under one common goal, if I'm not mistaken, it was Nixon. Right, Reagan. But when, oh, thank you. Um, but when we're looking at all of those, they're having, like, all these messages they're giving us, they've been telling us for a long time what their intentions are. And because they're disclosing it in such a manner, they're not getting the same karmic ramifications from it, Dave. They are being very smart about how they're doing these things, and that does make it scarier. But we are able to dismantle this. We are able to shift it around. But people do have to be more comfortable with the aspect of us not being alone and to form their own interactions with these beings to expose what it is the government narratives are doing. The government will try to say ETs are all scary and they're all bad and they're all here to take your children and to eat them and to eat your family and to exploit us. And, you know, some of them will. In the same way that we have cannibals in our society, in the same way that we have rapists and pedophiles in our society, they are still there, but it's not the majority. And it's the same thing with a lot of these species as well. All right, let's go to Donnie here. When you defeat a ghost with something you've learned in a video game, what does that mean? Well, I've never had the pleasure of, you know, going head-to-head -head against a ghost. But, Donnie, what I would interpret that to mean is you are actually starting to access different areas of your brain in a conscious capacity when you're having interactions in the astral realm with deceased people. 
And so what I think you would actually benefit from doing is kind of memorizing that start menu that you see, like when you press like X or something and it gives you like the menu coming down about, you know, um, what your options are, like resume, play, stop, finish, exit, so on, all, all that jazz. That way you can have more control in your astral projections about what you're doing. But as to what that means, that is a very good question. I would not know how to interpret that one outside of you're becoming more conscious in the astral realm and you manage to energetically push a ghost out of your vicinity. All right. Let's make this some, let's have some fun here for for the next little bit. You know, is there an alien species out there you haven't met yet that you want to? Um, actually, yeah, there's a couple of them. I would love to meet some more varieties of the different types of light beings. I've only met several of them, but there are some that are more like, how can I explain it? Almost like letting rainbows, if that makes sense. Not like having like the white with the rainbow coming out, but some that actually look like they're comprised of rainbows. I wouldn't mind meeting. I would like to meet the form of like angelic beings that people are depicting as like how the Bible and that's shows them, not just their energetic outlines where it's like these beautiful thousand eyed creatures of wings. If they look like that at all, I'd love to see that. That sounds amazing. Um, I don't know. I've heard that there's some ETs that are part dog and bipedal looking. I wouldn't mind seeing those. I've seen felines that are larger, but none of the dog ones. And that would be pretty cool. And if there are any actual green grays, I wouldn't mind seeing those too, because that'd be interesting to see. How about you? I want to see a mantid. Yeah? I do. I want to see a mantid and a reptilian. Okay. I don't we'll know. See what why, you can do. I don't know why. I just want to see it. Yeah. You know, I you know, just to yeah. be able to say, hey, scratch those ones off my list. Mm-hmm. Now I know Pascal is listing, so now I got to be careful because what I manifest usually comes true. So yeah, <clears throat> great. Well, I mean, there's a couple things you could do, Dave. Um, you could ask your guides to get you in touch with some of the mantises that I've had the pleasure of interacting with, the ones that have healed, you know, my kids from allergies and stuff like that. They are nice mantises that you could interact with that wouldn't be scary or threatening. I'd go down that road. Yeah. I don't know, Dave. Like, I wouldn't mind seeing one of the baby raptors. That would be really adorable, and I'd be super excited to see one of those. I'm only seeing, like, the adult ones. So that's a type of ET I'd love to see, too. I like this comment from Invisible Tracker. You never was that smart, Dave. Count me out. (laughs) Oh, that's just, just beat me down right there. Just beat me down. I don't know, Dave. Like, some of the reptilians are quite lovely. And I hope that when you do get to meet one, you meet one that, you know, approaches you at a safe distance and then gets your consent to move forward. I hope it's a really nice reptilian. Some of them are quite lovely. Do you want to meet, like, one that's more, like, raptor-based? Or you want to see more of a bipedal reptilian? Are you going to want to see the clothed reptilians or the nude reptilians? Is there a certain kind of reptilian you're hoping to see? Well, not a bad one. Not one that's going to want to take me home for dinner, if you know what I'm saying. They do. They're less likely to want to eat you because you're older. They like True. kids more than. True, I am. It's bad. Like old. I'm old, shriveled meat now. No, you're not old, shriveled meat. I'm saying you're older. You just don't have the same delicate butteriness. So say like a lamb. I'm trying to be nice here. Don't even. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I hear you. I don't either, so... Yeah. I hear you. So... Okay. With, go ahead. No, no, you finish what you were going to say. All I was going to say is, if you're wanting to have interactions with reptilians, I can see about the next time that we do get to go camping, see if we can have some reptilians come forward. Well, you know what? Next year is the year. You know, Good. but either way, next time you come on down this way, we're going to have to, t- before the snow falls, we're going to have to take you out to the gifting site. And you know, if we're getting snow in a couple weeks, right? Uh, yes. Yes. And I know it's that time of year. I know it's that time of year and we've got to be careful, but my area should be good until the beginning of December. Should be. I'm surprised I don't have snow, so. Not yet. Not yet. See, th- this is where the Americans, for the most part, get it right. You know, living in areas mm-hmm. where it doesn't snow in the winter. I don't know. I love snow. Like, I'm happy having snow six months of the year. That's great to me. It's beautiful. It's, like, calming. Everything's a bit quieter. It's pretty. I don't mind it at all. I don't mind it at all. I like the mm-hmm. snow. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. All right. Let, let's continue on here. Uh, you know, okay. in, in regards to the ETs mm-hmm. that you have had interaction with over the years, yeah. you know, what, what's what's some of the funnier events that you have had happen? <laughs> oh, my God. There's some that are, like, mortifying and embarrassing. Um you mean like where they're funny or where I'm funny? <laughs> like either, as an honest, stupid human funny. Either are. Oh my god. Um, some of the funnier ones I can think of off the top of my head are things like, okay, so this one time when I was, oh my god, so I'm just trying to go through like encounters quickly in my head. I'm kind of a, like, I'm a bit klutzy, which sounds ridiculous, but I am. And I was walking on craft this one time and I did end up walking into the wall and the gray was asking why I was trying to walk into the wall and trying to get the wall, like not trying to get the wall to open for me. And I explained that was an accident and he didn't really understand me. And that was kind of cute. But when it comes to things like my hybrids, I find more of my funny stuff happens with them because you'll go to pick up them and you'll go to be affectionate with them. And they are kind of like, Okay, so one of my next kids that I'm going to be having, like one of my next kids is a boy, and he's a really sweet little boy. He's a variety of gray. He has these like large black eyes. Sometimes they wear clothing, sometimes they don't. I've seen him in his gray form for like the last several years, and he already told me his name. Super excited about that. The last time I saw this little boy, well, not the last time, but like a couple times back, um, he and I, like he's showing me like, I'm going to love photography. I'm going to love going through what the woods and I'm really going to have like a career that's focused on nature. And that's why I'm coming down to earth. And I'm like, well, that's fantastic. And so after he and I were sitting in this room on crap. Hey, ceasefire country, circle up. Inflation has hit us hard. So here's what we're going to do. We're giving you 12 months of free service on any new line. Together, we're fighting back with our best deal in wireless history. We call it Inflation Retaliation. Get your wireless plan free for 12 months with any new line activation. Because in Ceasefire Country, we look after our own. Requires new line activation and 36-month service obligation. Early termination fee applies. See ceasefire.com for details. Life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning how to weather the storm. 
engineered for more. New Duracell with power-boost ingredients delivers power Gulfport can trust for the moments that matter most. Because you never know when you'll need power you can rely on to make the most out of moments that matter. So you can have peace of mind knowing Duracell is engineered for more when you need it most. Duracell. Engineered for more. Versus previous copper top double at AAA. New Duracell delivers more life in some devices or more power in others and a wide range of devices. And um, I end up getting up and I go to hug him. And he goes like this right away. And I'm like, are you okay type thing? And he's like, is this sex? Are we going to have sex? I'm like, I'm not going to have sex with you. <laughs> because, like, with him, they don't have the same physical interaction. Like, interactions with one another. And I'm a very affectionate person. Like, I'm a hugger. I like to hug my friends. I see them. I like to hug people goodbye. And I knew that I was going to be going home after that encounter. And so when I went to go hug my son, like, he froze. He's like, oh, my God, this woman's going to be my mother. And now she's trying to have sex with me. It's just like that. It's the most awkward conversation to have with like this great child. Like, no, no, that's just perfection. Like, I'm not trying to have sex with you. And he's like showing himself as like this, the six foot tall, tall gray being. And like, it was just so awkward. And I went like completely beat red. And it was just like, oh my goodness, so embarrassing, but like on a funny way. Um, one other time. Oh my god. Sorry, just trying not to get super embarrassed again, but. Um, this one time when I was on craft and I remember like I was like about to go on to the craft and I was with this one um, being and I'm like outlining my hand and she's really fascinated by it and I'm like kind of showing her like hey look I'm going to take your hand and do the same thing and she like she felt super uncomfortable with that because here I am once again I knock her with my body boundaries grabbing others and touching them and like trying to show them things that I'm super excited by and she felt like super awkward and uncomfortable and you kind of realize like oh my goodness humans are so touchy compared to some of these species and we don't have a good idea about like like asking for consent and so it really has started to like to teach me consent which is really important um this one time Oh my goodness, this mantis being was like showing me some of my like my babies that are developing in embryos. And I was asking about like the dad and like, hey, who's the father? And like, <laughs> because that's kind of awkward for someone but I don't know who the baby daddy is of these kids. Can you tell me who the dad is? Because you do a lot of breeding. Sometimes it's done through like in vitro fertilization. Sometimes it's done through physical interaction and like babies being taken out of you. Very similar to like um, a cesarean type thing, but more energetic. It doesn't actually involve the skin. And the mantis end up sending me this impression of like, oh my God, this human wants to know who she's having the sex with. And I was so like uncomfortable with like how she projected that. She showed me like a ring that my mom gave me. And so I ended up focusing on that because I was so embarrassed about the aspect of like talking to this being about sex because she made it feel like it was just a weird like human obsession. Like to some of them who don't have the same sex drive who really just breed for like procreation purposes, humans kind of come across as this overly sexually focused type like being if that makes sense or beings and so we kind of can have a bit of a reputation for being more promiscuous and like focused in that capacity it was just so embarrassing i feel like i'm just focusing on the embarrassing the hour but that's okay um let's change the topic we got two minutes and two (laughs) questions how about that sure let's go to midnight or midwest night watchers so moving lights in the sky disappear shortly after i see it do you know why 
sometimes they'll recognize that there's energy focusing on them. So when you are focusing on something, um, you actually kind of have energy trickling from yourself to it. So midnight or Midwest, pardon me, you know, when you're like um, in school and you feel somebody looking at you and you kind of get like the hairs up on the back of your neck because you're psychically aware of their energetic focus is now focused on yours. And what happens is the same thing happens when we're looking at a craft or we're looking at a being. And because a lot of these beings are more telepathically inclined when your energy is so focused upon that craft they can sense it so they just flip a switch type thing and then they make it so it's now in a cloaking type mode or invisible type mode although it's still present and still probably on the same trajectory that's one all right next question is <laughs> trisha astral travel can it come across as blue sea or black sea cloud-like environment it's been an experience Definitely, Trisha. Um, when you're astral projecting, you can go to anywhere in the universe in almost any dimension, in forward in time, back in time, doesn't matter. If you wanted to, you could start to learn how to consciously project to different places on Earth. And from there, you can learn how to consciously project to different places across the solar system and the galaxy and even meet some of your soul family or even project onto a craft if you like. You can project onto different planets to see what they're like as well. It's really cool. And finally... Samantha yeah. from Bomber, how might we go about asking yeah. the aliens to come help us heal? So what you would do is typically, unless you already have an established relationship with them, you need to start doing things like astral projecting where you can have more control about where you're going. That we be like, I know that mantises are wonderful healers. And so I'm going to seek out positive or benevolent mantises and ask them to do healing to my astral form or soul as well as my physical form that is one of the easiest ways to do it because if you just send telepathic messages to them unless they already have an interaction with you they're not as inclined to try to establish a relationship with you because they're like well why am i going to go heal this human if we don't know them and if we don't know what they're going to do and we don't know how they're going to interact so if you do the astral projection aspect and you project to their locations then you're better able to actually have them be like oh look it's bomber so we've seen him a few times down he's asked us for help multiple times so let's go have a physical interaction with him and see if there's anything that we want to do or can do samantha mowett samantha mowett.ca is her website make sure you check it on out good friend of this show coming up next in hour three we're gonna head to the swamp then terry hall is gonna join us for the ufo report next All right, we are clear. Good job tonight, Thanks. Samantha. Great job. Thanks. Thank you for filling in. Really do appreciate no problem. you. Hello, my Jason. pleasure, Dave. Um, give me a call when you're free this week. I want to know if you've read any of my book or if any of it doesn't yep. make sense or needs explanation. Yes, I will get a hold of you this week. All right, buddy. Awesome. Talk to you soon. No worries. Bye. Bye. Samantha Mowat, everybody. We love her around here. I'll be right back and. Uh, we'll get going here in hour three very soon.
Pam Harris, thank you so much for that super chat. Thank you. Put that up there. And thank you also to YJ, Donnie times three, Flash Forward, Vaughn and Pascal times two, Carlito, Ivan, Enki, and W. David Page. We really appreciate it. We're going to get going with the Swamp Dweller coming up here momentarily. you like to connect with us head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info now back to dave scott and sor here we go with the third and final hour of spaced out radio tonight good to have you with us my name is dave scott very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call earth hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around north america digitally on odyssey radio talk stream live and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey in favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Vetist. Vetist is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram, Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. It is time once again where we head to the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller takes us on another spooky journey. Hi, Spaced Out Radio listeners. This is Swamp Dweller. It's time for your nightly dose of spookiness on the show. If you have an interesting encounter or a spooky story that you would like to share, be sure to submit them in at swampdweller.net. You can also find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash swampdwellerreads. Now, let's chill out, relax, and together, let's enter the swamp. I'm not the type to believe in this stuff. Mainly because I'm not very superstitious. But these two encounters made me doubt whatever was going down on my farm. The first encounter occurred when two friends and I were having dinner. Everything was calm. We ate outside since this was a relatively ample space. That was until we heard a woman scream. Which was extremely odd, since the country I live in is very calm, with very few criminals, or even animal attacks. Since we were in the wilderness, I found that to be relevant. I was the first one to react. I climbed to the wall separating the house grounds from the animals. From there, I could see almost all of the houses near mine. My friends got up right after me. We stayed in total silence, waiting for another scream, and we heard it. This time, we could understand what was said. It was a very high-pitched, Help! She yelled this multiple times and then a bunch of gibberish no one could understand. One of my friends quickly grabbed the phone to call the police. As we assumed it would be some sort of domestic violence or robbery, I held my axe, and my other friend followed me to the gate. 
We didn't leave because nobody knew what we would find, since something sounded odd about those screams and not quite right. Right before the police arrived, we heard a thud and glass breaking. I assume it was a window. The screams stopped as soon as the police arrived, never to be heard again. The police found nothing of note. Later that night, my friends and I stayed up chatting about what had happened. One of them was oddly quiet. When I asked him what was wrong, he said, I've heard those screams before. He claimed he had heard that same type of scream before while walking his dog. The next day, we got up and decided to check the house the screams were coming from. But there was one weird thing about it when we arrived at the place. There was no house. It was a forest, just trees upon trees and bushes everywhere. We returned and decided to forget what had happened since it was not a good time and we were trying to have some good vibes. It would take many years for someone to relate this encounter with a skimwalker. I know I didn't at first, but when it happened twice, I started connecting everything. The second encounter happened when my cousins were over. Like the previous night, we had a good, peaceful dinner. That's when my cousin and I decided to go for a little walk in the garden that I had. It was made of the frontier with a vast forest, only separated by a small stone wall. We were walking and talking and laughing and having a good time when I started to hear a man talking. Not in a normal voice. It sounded like there was something in his throat that produced a weird frequency. Again, I grabbed my axe and called my cousin and his sister. We got near the wall to hear what he was saying. Like the first encounter, we could only understand gibberish coming from him, and it just wouldn't stop talking. It kept going on and on and on, not even taking breaks to catch their breath. After listening to it, we realized we couldn't do anything about it so we left and finished our dinner. They go home, and I find myself alone here. It was unsettling, and then I start overthinking more and more, and I remember the times my dog would spend entire nights barking at the forest when all the existing animals were wiped out by hunters. I remember the warnings my parents gave me when I was a child. Always leave the forest and lock the doors before sunset. Regardless of my questions, they would never tell me why because, as I mentioned before, it was a quiet little location in a peaceful country. I couldn't understand why so many worries were to be had. But this all ended when the loggers came to cut down all the grown trees, leaving the forest visible. Before the trees were cut down, you couldn't see anything in there, even during the daytime. After they cut the trees and the excellent weather came, nothing weird happened, and my dog stopped barking at the wall. I would like to know if I was being paranoid or if I really was potentially having encounters with a skimwalker or something similar. I don't know, but it was still something that you should get the hell out of the area. That's exactly what you do. You got that stuff happening, you get the hell out of the area. Thank you, Swamp Dweller, for another spooky story. The Swamp Dweller joins us every Monday through Friday night to kick off hour number three of Spaced Out Radio. Hey, we love them around here. Thousands of stories just like that one that you can listen to for free. So go check it on out, Mr. Swamp Dweller, at youtube.com forward slash Swamp Dweller Reads. All right. Filling in for Tim Senor tonight, we have Terry Hall on the UFO Report. Let's get right to him. Nobody's going to know. They're going to know.
Good evening, Dave. Good evening, Terry. How are you tonight? Doing well and yourself. I am doing great, thank you. We're going to do things a little bit differently here tonight because normally we bring in some UFO stories in the news of the day, but let's just be honest. This week has been really, really stale for UFO news. It has. Really stale. Agreed. What do you think's causing that? Honestly, Dave, I hate to get political, but um, a lot of it, I think, has to do with uh, what's going on overseas right now. A particular country that a, a longtime enemy of our, quote unquote, enemy of ours. Um, I think that the UFO deal is just kind of getting swept under the rug right now. I think you could be right on that. There's a lot of stuff going on around the world that we just can't handle, can't understand, and really don't have the ability to try and, you know, figure on out too much. But, you know, the idea that this is becoming a a big-time story and that it, you know, there's whispers of immunity and, and congressional hearings and everything like that, you know, one thing that we want to do tonight with this entire um this entire UFO report tonight is we want to get questions from our audience and about the UFO topic, you know, what do you guys think? As a professional plumber, customers rely on you to recommend and install products that meet their needs, including quieter garbage disposals that accommodate today's open concept kitchens. Build your business by gaining your customer's trust with Insincorator Pro Series disposals. Exclusive professional models and warranties only available to customers through pros like you. Visit InsincoratorForPros.com to learn how to put Insincorator garbage disposals to work for you. Hey, the balance in my free checking account earns more than options like CDs. And without tying up my money. Keesler Federal Credit Union, helping our members live extraordinary. What do you guys want to know? Put your questions in capital letters, and then Terry and I will have a, a discussion on on answering your questions regarding this. Because one of the things that I brought up with Samantha Mowat here, Terry, is the fact that I really do believe that there is no such thing as disclosure. You know, I, I've been pushing confirmation, as you know, over disclosure the last number of months. But the more and more I see things happening with the way the Galileo project is going, with the way that we keep talking about this uh, threat narrative that really we don't know if it exists or not, it really tells me that this subject has become highly, highly political. And when things get into that political realm, Terry, you know, the one thing that we can count on the government, no matter who it is or which government it is, is going to screw it up. And that's what we're seeing here. Terry, what's your thoughts? I agree 100%. As a matter of fact, I agree 1,000%. Um, and going to some of the the uh, gatherings that we go to uh, and speaking with some of the more preeminent names, uh, what the scientists are looking for is just good, hard, empirical evidence that can be repeated and vetted and torn apart and, 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 and stand strong. Um, 
I mean, you have to look at the hearing that we had right from the get-go. It was so poor. And uh, I was talking with a gentleman who was supposed to be in front of Congress before too long, uh, probably in December. And they're still desperately seeking just good, hard evidence that they can pull out of their pocket and say, here, look. Really, eh? See, I don't buy that, Terry. I And trust me, I trust your word that if somebody came up to you and said, this is what's going on, I do trust your word, okay? But I don't buy the fact that they, as in these government people, have no clue about what is going on. I don't believe that for a second. They have been knowing about this subject for 70-plus years. They know a lot more than what we will ever know, that the public will ever know. And I just don't see it happening that way. I mean, the, the scientists saying we need empirical evidence, the scientists saying that we need stu- to study more, we need we need uh, more time on this. Great, I can understand that. I And for in somewhat I agree with that, especially when it comes down to the experiencers. However, when it comes to you know, needing empirical evidence about whether or not they're coming here, they already know. They've known for decades. Well, the problem that we've got is when we have these kind of meetings, they don't bring someone like you in or someone like, you know, uh, someone who knows the history of these things and can say, hey, there's plenty of papers out there that you generated, as in you, the government, that you've overlooked for, like you said, 70 plus years. I, I don't know what we do in that type of circumstance or situation. Um, it seems like every time we get the chance uh, and, and to have someone like you uh, at one of these things, something always happens and they go back to, well, who's a popular face? And that, that just, that doesn't get the, that doesn't get the news out like it needs to be. It just, promotes the same face over and over again very true let's get to a question here this one coming from search and destroy why do the ufos visit us i think it's because we're the world's or the universe's greatest reality television show we got <laughs> i was thinking of that same south park episode dave <laughs> we have sex we got drugs we got rock and roll we got everything that is needed for a great time in television, and we're 24-7, 365. We never take a day off. Really, if you think about it, we are pretty interesting. Even though we're, we're tribal monkeys, we're still at least funny. Very true. Very true. Let's go to Jonathan over in the U.K. Will Biden dis- declassify? What Congress does is moot if Biden doesn't play ball. What's your thoughts, Terry? I don't see it happening. Um, The Bidens are well known for keeping secrets, and I don't think this is one they're going to turn loose of. It's not like it's going to help in any election now. It's out. So they can't run off of it anymore. Um I'm with you. I think that we need more clarification because disclosures already happened. See, and I'll say confirmation has happened. 
Yeah. You know? I I would say this. I don't think Biden wants to be the disclosure president. I don't think he even knows how to be the disclosure president. And that's just I'm trying so hard not to get political here. Well, I, I'm really no, I, and I and I and I know that and I understand that and, and you know I know you're grinding your teeth just like I grind my teeth with with Trudeau up here. <laughs> you know, but the the idea behind it is this. You know, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with being the disclosure president. And it's more than just making an announcement at the, you know, at the podium in front of the White House that says, my fellow Americans, we've made contact. It's a lot deeper than that. I think Biden's got his hands full with inflation and the looming energy crisis and the stock market fixing the crash and everything else going on. I don't think he wants every church on the planet after him either. That would be a good one too. Yeah. I don't, I don't think Biden declassifies. I really don't. Let's, let's go to Mr. Gray owl. Could three of Terry's full mustache and beard combos survive a battle against Dave Scott's infamous and undefeated beard. Never. I Never. I don't know. Can happen. I don't know. Dave comes out undefeated every time. Oh, you, you know. Every what? time. No. My good buddy down in Washington State, Eric Cooper from Forest Moon Paranormal, I'll tell you right now, my beard is about 0 and 9 against his. 0 and 9. <laughs> Well, I've got enough. I've got enough Native American blood in me that I grow. My 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 mom used to call it a summertime beard because some is here and some is there, but it's not everywhere. But the mustache and the goatee come in really well. Very nice. You do have a good mustache and goatee combination. That that is very very <laughs> true. Tracy says, "Remember the Congress man was trying to say." Shows like this, for example, should not be happening as talking the truth, but they don't want that out. It wasn't Congress saying that. It was a number of people within the UFO community who are higher up in the in the UFO world. I mean, this is where you get into Luis Elizondo and Sean Cahill stating that, you know, in, in their you know, very, very abrupt terms. They wanted to kill ufology and basically end all of the uh, negative podcasts out there and bring more harmony to the, the, the UFO world, whether or not that could happen. I doubt it because there's a little thing in the U S called the first amendment and free speech that allows people to have differing opinions on that, you know, but there are a lot of podcasts out there Terry that that deal with this subject matter some are very accurate some are brilliant brilliantly done you know I think of uh, you know you know koala panda there who we had on the other day I mean he's just fantastic with his documentaries there's a lot of good hard work being done but there is some questionable hitmen type work out there too that people should be aware of well you see it all the time and uh, Ross Kohart said it very distinctly the other day that if we don't start working together in the community that it's it is truly going to fall apart there's 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 too much good evidence out there right now and there's too many good people out there right now that are willing to work together uh, unlike 
even four or five years ago where you had everybody in the UFO community, you know, kind of sidestepping around one another, that, that seems to have faded. Um, the more of these things that I go to these meetings and conferences and, and, you know, uh, they're, they're, they're being more available now than, than ever before, ever before. YJ Overlander is asking, who is more likely to usher in disclosure, humans or aliens? Terry, you could go first on this one. I'd say humans because curiosity killed the cat, but satisfaction brought it back. And that's just the way that we are. If, uh, Somebody's got the good piece of information. They're going to try to push it out first. Um, <laughs> I, I think uh, the days of dreaming that uh, a UFO is going to land on the White House lawn is kind of a pipe dream. It's not going to happen. I would agree uh, with you there. But- and I also believe that it will be humans who disclose. Look, what this is how disclosure or the government disclosure is going to go down. And you can, you can mark this as a prediction. They're going to find within the next couple of years a signal. And it's going to be a faint signal that somehow they're going to be able to decipher as we have found life somewhere else. Or it's going to be we have found life at a micro, alien life at a microbial level, either when they get back to the moon or when they get to Mars. It's going to be one of those two. They're not going to talk about spaceships. They're not going to talk about aliens flying towards Earth. It's going to be something so far out there that in human terms, we could never reach it with a signal or it's going to be something microbial that is absolutely useless to the whole disclosure stage, but they're going to say we've found alien life. Those are my two suggestions, Terry. What do you think? Or part number three, they've detected something way far out there that they know is going to be parked in our atmosphere within the next couple of years. And they're going to have to disclose it first before it's parked in our atmosphere in a few years. Yeah, I mean, it's not NASA that's going to disclose that. It's going to be, you know, I could see it happening with Avi Loeb and the Galileo Project or maybe an unknown scientist that we haven't even heard of yet, you know, that all of a sudden makes some, catches some sort of signal that we're able to pick up. Or it could be some monthly paid soldier in the Space Force, because the Space Force is actually who's responsible for that now. Um, I don't even think NORAD's got the pull like that any longer. I think it's all been turned over to the Space Force, hasn't it? May have. May have. Either way. Don't trust NASA. Don't trust them. You know, but I do believe that humans will make uh, make the appearance of disclosure way before aliens Ever will. Let's go to Tracy here. Would it be worth at the next Congress meeting, the likes of yourselves, go and address this? We'd never have the chance to even get close. We never would. These guys on this topic are so protected. I mean, you have to realize we're still dealing with people 
on those congressional panels who believe the whole swamp gas theory is real. I mean, that's the reality. I will say this, Casey. I will say this. It's every serious researcher's dream to be put in front of Congress. I agree. I agree. And we all want to speak. We all want to have our words. Just like I want to sit in front of the members of parliament with in Canada and, and let them know the realities. But for most of them, they are new to this topic and they are not ready. We're going to continue the UFO report. When we return on Spaced Out Radio, Terry Hall filling in for Tim Seymour. We'll be right back on the Mighty SOR final half hour next. Got the itchy scratchy in the back there, Dave. Oh, yeah. Me with my trusty SOR mug. That's a good mug, man. It is. I wake up with this one. It holds my coffee, and then you can still you can hear the ice in it. It's been in there all day. Nice. Hey, Michael Leger. The Michael Leger. Uh, we'll get to that after the break there, John. I do got to say, though, I, you know, speaking of people like Avi and Rich Hoffman and a few other guys like that, they're really excited that people, just regular everyday average John Doe's are starting to be recognized to to not be tinfoil hat wearers anymore. Well, it, it is nice. Hi, Kafunia. How are you? Ollie, thank you, buddy. For that awesome super chat. Let's throw that up there. Oh, you're very welcome. Very welcome. You have the best chat family, Dave. Oh, they're incredible. Steppenwolf, how you doing? Are you born to be wild or what? Hey, on your tablet, can you see the chat room? Uh, I can turn on chat. When I do, uh, I lose the camera feed. So, yes, I can see chat. Gotcha. With our luck, they'll probably have Ryan Seacrest fly in from Hollywood to make the big announcement of disclosure. (laughs) That puke is everywhere. Dude is everywhere. You know, uh, Eric Cooper, Eric Cooper just nailed it. They need to have somebody like Dan Aykroyd. Hey, J. Don. Go talk to him. 
you know what? Unfortunately, this won't take the celebrity review. It really won't. Oh, the guy is such an encyclopedic, has such encyclopedic knowledge oh, of UFOs, though. I agree. But he really hasn't done anything since he was scared off. By the men no, th- that's true. Well, besides making the alien head vodka that he makes now. The, uh, the the bottle looks like the Crystal Skulls. Yes. I was at the Roxy in Vancouver when he introduced that vodka. And he was pouring drinks for us. Um, he would have had to pour me a Pepsi. I, I, I just I don't drink. <laughs> oh, this is going back to 2005, 2006. Whenever that was, I have met him here in Oregon, uh, along with Jim Belushi, and uh, not James Belushi, but his brother Jim, and they're both really nice guys. Right on. All right, uh, we got about uh, one minute here. Uno momento. Grail just—that's <laughs> killing me. That's right, YJ, downtown Granville Street. Just kitty quarter from the Vancouver Moose. Well, the Roxy I used to go to was on uh, Sunset and Tahini in um, Hollyweird. Oh, yeah. Hey, I want to say a big thank you tonight to W. David Page, Inky, Ivan, Donnie times three, Carlito, Pascal times two, Vaughn, Flash Forward, YJ, Pam, and Ollie for the Super Chats. Really do appreciate the love and support, everyone. If you haven't already, do us a favor. Give us a thumbs up or thumbs down and uh, hit that subscribe button. Ring that bell. And don't forget that uh, after the show, if you could leave a comment, tell us what you think. That helps our algorithms as well as this channel continues to grow very, very fast. And go shopping in our store, spacedoutradio.com forward slash shop. We've got lots of goodies there for you as well. Here we go with the final half hour. for home tonight on Spaced Out Radio. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show. And on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Terry Hall is here filling in for Tim Senor on the UFO Report. We're taking audience questions regarding anything UFO tonight. And Jonathan in the UK is asking... There's an active call behind the scenes for whistleblowers to come forward. It is happening, but we still need Joe Biden. And once again, I understand that. And this also opens up the idea of whether or not we could get whistleblowers to come out 
with immunity in front of Congress. Do you ever see that happening where they're going to uh, allow immunity, Terry, for something as highly critical as UFOs? No, I don't. For the simple reason that the government knows that once you get your foot in the door that far, it's... As a professional plumber, customers rely on you to recommend and install products that meet their needs, including quieter garbage disposals that accommodate today's open-concept kitchens. Build your business by gaining your customers' trust with Insincorator Pro Series disposals. Exclusive professional models and warranties only available to customers through pros like you. Visit InsincoratorForPros.com to learn how to put Insincorator garbage disposals to work for you. It's only a matter of time before the, the doors open wide and so are the classified files for more than just UFOs. Where does it stop? That's the thing. You know, like somebody like Lou Elizondo, who's been in war, he's been a spy, he's, you know, been a counterintelligence agent. Where does it stop? Well, but then again, on the other hand, uh, in talking with people like Jim Simivan, he's itching and just almost praying that they're able to say a little more. Um, I, I was just, I had a conversation with him the other day and uh, he, he he actually told me that in, in the last few podcasts that he's done, uh, shows that he's done, um, he's almost repeating himself. And he's, he told me basically straight up that he has so much more that he wants to say but can't. Well, it's going to take more than just Jim Semivan coming out and, and saying what is real and what is not because, you know, they also have to prepare for the backlash as well coming from the other side of the government. Well, it's... It, Honestly, it's it wasn't just Jim Simivan. It's it's people like him, Jim Simivan, Rich Hoffman, uh, the guys at SCU, um, Hal Putoff, Valet, all the guys that have been in this on the government side of it for a long time. I don't know what's caused the push because honestly, I never thought that I'd I'd live to see this. So <laughs> it's all new territory. Um, I guess we're just hang on for the ride and buckle up. That's all we can do. All we can do. And let's uh, go to another uh, question here. Uh, Let me see. Maybe we're done. Maybe we are done. Crave Dog, you need to get the SOR kicks too. Dave's got some awesome tennis shoes at his shop. I'm ordering some. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Let's go to Tracy here. And Tracy says, do you think they're going to take the Wilson Davis documents for real? Uh, That's when they could sink their teeth into. Uh, There's just so many other things that tie it all together. Um, And it goes back a little bit further than, uh, than, than the Oak papers as well, or Shannon Oak. Um, So yeah, I do. I think they are. I think once they investigate them, once they're having the ability to talk privately with Dr. Eric Davis and or Admiral Wilson and maybe even Oak Shannon. I mean, here's the thing. There are other notes tied to this. The late Jack Houck, we learned from Melinda Leslie. 
And there are other people out there who are probably tied to this that we don't even know of yet. I mean, and I think the more they go down the rabbit hole and hopefully the assistants and the government aides who are working on this subject and preparing more notes and preparing more files actually take a, a steep look into this, that they will find that there is a lot more to this than what they know. I mean, realistically, we have to remember that even if you've been following ufology for about a year, year and a half, you probably know more than most politicians who are just getting into this subject, even though they have the security clearance in order to get the the real notes, shall we speak, of what's going on and what's not. But that's how... I don't want to use the term dumb, but I'm going to. That's how dumb many of the people covering this subject on a congressional level are. They don't they don't follow what we are doing. You know, there's an old saying, you know, in, in the car business uh, that states that the uh, a salesperson knows a little bit about every vehicle on the lot. The person who's buying knows everything about the one vehicle they want to buy. And the customer always knows more. I think that we missed the boat with uh, George Bush Sr. Because if you recall correctly, he was the head of the CIA at the time that Jimmy Carter was president. He was the one that told Carter that he wasn't going to get the information on UFOs. We should have been pushing old George Bush Sr. back in the day because he was the man with the secrets. And it's funny because Junior is steadfast that he would, even if he was president today, he would never disclose, ever. Yep. Yep. You know, what do you think is scaring these guys regarding the potential of disclosure? I think it's the questions that come along with it. Uh, The first question, of course, would be uh, who's driving the things? And then the second question would be uh, what are they using to get here uh, and how does it work? Um, Just like, and I hate to to draw the conclusion between the two, but uh, let's say back in the day, they they made a machine that was going to take out the timber industry. And in order to save the timber industry, they didn't make the machine illegal. They made the product illegal. So, A, they get here. B, they come from a long way away. That's whatever kind of technology they're going to use, if they're going to share it, it's not going to be too happy on the oil industry, the coal industry, or any other energy industry. If it is truly zero-point energy, then that kind of kills what we base our dollar on. That's scary enough. No, that's very true. That is very, very true in regards to it. Let's get to another question from Tracy here. Do you know where David Adair is, or has he been hushed as well? No, David Adair is getting up there in age and I, and number one, he doesn't like the spotlight of talking rockets and UFOs. Uh, number two, he's not, we have to remember Dave, David Adair is, is, was a rocket guy. He wasn't a, you know, much like Homer Hickam, uh, 
he he wasn't a rocket guy or a UFO guy. Pardon me. He was a rocket guy. And David Adair has one story, and it doesn't really collate to what we see happening in ufology today. And when that happens, that kind of drops off, much like Calvin Parker right now. Nobody's talking about Cal- Calvin Parker or Travis Walter. You know, I mean. I do know that uh, David Adair said that he had had an offer from a certain Middle Eastern country, and he wasn't specific on which one, to uh, to lead their space program. So maybe that's where old David went to. Never know. But he has become kind of recluse ever since his wife passed away a number of years ago, too. So let's go to Joe. Why does everyone assume the aliens will give us energy secrets when they appear to everyone? I don't. I don't think they're going to give us anything. Well, it's not an assumption, Joe. It's just the question that I think would come along with how did they get here? Is it just about that, though? No. (laughs) Honestly, it's not. If it was, why did the Catholic Church jump out in front of this five years ago? Very true. Very true. When the Pope comes out and says, we'd bless an alien, then something's happening. Well, and I understand that, and I do. But I think, I think you know, everybody has, and Joe is kind of right here, Terry. Everybody has this romantic assumption that when the aliens arrive, that we're going to get free energy. They're going to tell us the secrets of life, so that way we could cure things like cancer and 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 other diseases that are out there and that they are going to give us a you know help us figure out maybe instead of living an average of 80 years that we're going to be able to go up to maybe two three hundred four hundred years much like in biblical times that we saw and you know i think that's where they think where we're going to get everything that they're just going to come down like gods and and bear fruit i don't see that happening what if we're, what if on the other hand, let's just say that Homo sapiens were just a hugely disruptive force in the universe and they trap us here on this planet. They come back when we get to about where we're at right now and we start figuring out that our brain isn't just an antenna, but it's a broadcaster as well. And uh, they come and check on us. And if we haven't learned our lesson and we're still throwing nukes around and being tribal monkeys, they slap us back into the Stone Age about every 23,000 years or so, or maybe even every 13,000 years or so, make us start all over again. I mean, maybe that's what the 90% junk DNA that we have is. Maybe that was our gifts that we had that were taken from us to keep us here. I mean, there's another way of looking at it, Joe. Very true. Very true. I mean, we'll have to wait and see. Let's go to another question. This one comes from Mr. Gray Owl. What does the future hold? Please be specific. I think uh, in regards to UFOs, I think that the government continues to shut us down, continues to answer less questions. I don't think they're going to play ball the way many feel they are. 
yes, we are going to have more hearings. Yes, most of those hearings are going to be behind the scenes where that information will be deemed as classified or top secret, and it'll never come out. You know, I mean, they're going to make a spectacle. I, I see the Galileo project eventually falling into disarray. And until we get smart enough to quit putting the same butts in the same seats in our government, nothing is going to change. Why would it? Doesn't have to. Exactly. They've been running the same train down the same tracks for 75 years, probably longer than that. And unless we change the conductor, the train's not going to change tracks. I just don't see it. Well, you know, the idea behind this subject, if if we continue along those lines, is, Terry, that that people want things now. We all want things now. I mean, look, I, there's still people out there using an iPhone 4, and yet we're at, <laughs> we're at iPhone 14, okay? And there are still people driving vehicles from the 1980s that look like they're from the 1980s that haven't been refurbished. You know, and here we are almost 40 years later, and the technology is crouched up quite a bit. I mean, there's there's a lot going on regarding this. And I think that it comes down to this, Terry, and I've said it before, I'll say it again, ad nauseum. There is a UFO Pandora's box within the Pentagon somewhere that holds all the secrets. Whether it's the Holloman Air Force Base original video of a UFO landing and aliens getting out, whether it's Eisenhower meeting with aliens, trading humans for technology, whether it's Bob Lazar, whether it's uh, my labs, whether it's anything that is very strange and weird regarding this topic, the Roswell bodies, uh, J-Rod, Valiant, Thor, there is a place where all of these secrets are known on whether or not they are true or not. And to me, disclosure doesn't happen until all of those questions are answered. And up until well, then, we got, it's just confirmation. We got a trickle. We got a trickle from Edward Mitchell when he passed away in, in his papers. And keep in mind uh, how how much uh, Robert Bigelow did ex- expansion uh, for holding "quote unquote" metamaterials there in the Vegas area at Bigelow Aerospace. Um, so it could be. Uh, a disgruntled employee with Robert Bigelow after after Bob takes the, the next journey. <clears throat> I think it's going to come from private industry. I don't think it's going to come from inside the government. Um, I think that someone out there who's uh, someone out there has got metamaterial or they've got something that I mean, for me, it's always been a, a process of elimination. Who's coming out with the most futuristic stuff? They have to be the one that got the hand up. Just like Lou said, one of these contractors is above and beyond everybody else. And it was because of the favorites, the, excuse me, the favors that were granted to it uh, from recoveries. I truly believe that. 
Yeah, I would agree with you. Terry, you asked Science Bob the other day a question that I thought was very profound. It was in regards to to people still going out there and looking and filming UFOs. And was it really relevant to today's ufology, especially what's going on? And I like that question because I, I kind of look at it as the opposite side of the fence. You know, I think it's great to go out and look for UFOs and everything like that. You know, and I do believe we need amateur scientists to team up with the real scientists in order to try and, you know, help each other out. I mean, look, there was a, a Canadian kid a few years ago that was just looking on Google Earth and found a new a new uh, a Mayan pyramid. I mean, that... Yeah, it, that was it, it cool. Works. <laughs> yeah, it works. It, it works when it's working for the same cause, you know, but I'm not, well, but I'm not so sure that going up and, and recording UFOs in a database is the way to go anymore. That's just my opinion. To me, I thought, I think we're past that. What's your thoughts? Uh, as far as the nuts and bolts goes, um, there's plenty of video out there. Yeah. Um, and trying to capture them myself, some of these things move so fast, you'd have to have a camera filming at like 6,000 frames a second to catch three frames of these things going by. Um, however, on the other hand, though, I've always found it strange that, take me for instance, um, I've got about, oh, 10 acres of land that I live on. And, Honestly, I know basically every blade of grass that's out there. And if I come to you and say, man, I saw something that I've never seen on my property before in 20 years. Why isn't that taken seriously? Why hasn't it been taken seriously? It doesn't matter if the guy wears coveralls and has a piece of twine hanging out of his mouth or not. They know the land just like I know mine intimately. And if you see something or record something or... Uh, capture something. I don't see why the public hasn't been taken more seriously. Oh, I, I agree. We we need more people doing this, okay? And if more people paid attention to what we were doing, that would be great. I'm just not sure if going out and 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 uh, filming UFOs and their trajectories. And everything really enhances what we don't already know. The pressure. Well, it's not. Go ahead. It's not so much that, Dave. And working with some of the scientists that we're working with, um, they're almost getting to the point of predictability. Uh, there's certain things that happen in certain places of quote unquote hotspots that can be tracked, traced, and timed. And when this certain. Uh, things happen, you can almost be guaranteed 100% that there is going to be an event at that place. Things like electromagnetic spikes, gamma radiation spikes, um, the time interval in between. So it's not so much just trying to capture a UFO, but it's also what's going on in our own atmosphere. And on on the ground right underneath your feet that ties in 
I, I would imagine with their energy source or at least one type of energy source. So it's not just the nuts and bolts anymore. Now it's trying to predict and find. Terry, thank you so much for filling in for Tim Senor tonight on the UFO report. Very much appreciated, my man. Thanks for having me. It's been a Thanks fun. for putting up with me, chat family. I'm generally in the rear with the gear. (laughs) It's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. A big thank you for Samantha Mowat also coming on in and joining us tonight, talking everything extraterrestrial and supernatural. We love her around here. SamanthaMowat.ca is her website. And, of course, our main man, Swamp Dweller, for hanging out with us with another spooky tale as well. What a great show. I've already gave you a real one. Here's a tattooed one. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thaw rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at home, at work, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAB, Facebook, the Space Travelers Club, Spreaker, and on Twitter at hashtag Spaced Out Radio. Remember, this show is copyright by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us because together, my friends. We're watching. We own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we've got room for them, too. Good night. As a professional plumber, customers rely on you to recommend and install products that meet their needs, including quieter garbage disposals that accommodate today's open-concept kitchens. Build your business by gaining your customers' trust with Insincorator Pro Series disposals. Exclusive professional models and warranties only available to customers through pros like you. Visit InsincoratorForPros.com to learn how to put Insincorator garbage disposals to work for you.